the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, Dave Ellswick show on on a Monday, one week and counting down. We're moving from 96.5 FM to 101.1 FM. Don't forget about that now. You'll find me next Monday at 101.1 FM. Clear, bolder, stronger, covering more area than we did at 96.5. If you live in Conway, it's going to be Dave, clear. Dave, you still do right now. What's that? You're still at 96.5. No, I know. What did I say? Then you did. Well, when I was at 96.5. You're still there, Dave. <laughs> I don't feel like it anymore. I feel I'm like I'm already I'm going to break out the Cheech Chong album here in a little bit. <laughs> Dave's not here. <laughs> we need to do that starting on uh, Play It Over the Weekend. Dave's not here. <laughs> Going to be at 101.1. Uh, what's interesting about 101.1 is that it is a, it's got less power than 96.5 had, but where it is located at, which is on top of Canal uh, Hill with all the other towers, and then 650 feet up in the air, we're above everything which means we get out further and a lot clearer. So uh, get ready for that coming up uh, for next uh, uh, Monday. Anybody tried to tune it in in a building yet? I haven't. I haven't. I've, we, need, I, we, we need to go out and test that and make sure that it's actually being picked up. Inside, because if it is, then that means people who are listening at work can listen on radios at work. Yep. Now, granted, you can also download the ninety. The uh, mm, yeah, we got to make sure that the answer app, the answer yeah, the Little answer Rock app, app, yeah, and you can tune it in on your computer. You know what I just found out uh, Saturday? I didn't what? know that I have an auxiliary channel in my car that I can plug my phone into, and I can listen anywhere at any time in the United States or overseas, even. Just station. watch out your watch your data because yeah, depending the wife, on where you're at, the wife and I were on on vacation, yeah. traveling across the uh, great southeast, and um, we got the we got the obligatory AT and T text message that said we'd reached seventy five percent of our data, and then within uh, another day and a half, we had reached ninety percent of our data. So AT and T is probably going to get a little chunk of change out of us to expand our data. Well, you understand that that's something that you need to be very careful of if you go on a cruise. If oh, you yeah. get over into a foreign country and start making calls and you start getting on the internet, you can run up big dollars. Like people come home and all of a sudden they get their phone bill and it's like 300 bucks more than it was normally. And it's because they used way, way, way more data than they thought they had. I mean, really, 
uh, expensive. That's one of the few things that I have to say they were good at uh, with this at uh, the cruise line that we went to because they warned you about that. A lot of people didn't even know it was, was going to be a problem. But anyway, a week from today, I will be at 101.1 FM. And there's other changes coming to our Salem cluster uh, by next week. So a lot of great things happening. Salem has uh, made a statement that Little Rock is uh, going to be one of their home bases right here in central Arkansas. And that is, uh, that's really exciting to be honest. Okay. Before we get into everything, let me kind of run over what's going to happen today here in the first hour. I want to talk about the, uh, uh, the big gun control walk, uh, over the weekend by the, uh, the kids. We want to talk about that and, uh, who really was behind it. I'm glad you we'll want to talk about, about that because I thought about that this morning. These kids, I grant you, are pretty stinking smart these days. Uh-huh. But they can't come up with the ideas, number one. Number two, they can't come up with the funding to put something like this together. Thank you very much. And we're going to talk about that. We'll also talk about the idiocy that we heard of we need to change and have very strong gun control measures. Well, we'd like you all to start wearing um, see-through backpacks. Oh, no. That's infringing on my privacy. You can't look at my backpack and see if I'm packing a gun. No, absolutely not. So you and I would have had a problem with that when we were coming up, but that was we were now killing reasons. people. All right, these dummies. Not only do they have people in their ranks that are killing people, but even if they think the kid is uh, thinking about killing people. You know, they got the no snitch rule, no uh, snitching on my friends rule. So I don't tell anybody that there's somebody sitting right next to me in, uh, you know, math class that said he wants to blow everybody away. So we're going to talk about that. Now, I know there's people sitting out there. You're not going to talk about the stormy interview. You're not going to talk about the porn star. She didn't say anything. Yeah. And then secondly, why? Should I want to talk about that? That was before the president was president. See, they're, they're trying to to uh, put Clinton and Trump together. See, see, Clinton got impeached, wasn't found guilty. Because he pulled he it off in the office. Thank you very much. That's the big difference. That's the big difference. He was doing it on your and my time. In the Oval Office. That's the difference between him and Trump. And with that said, I'm going to take a a quick break, and then we're going to come back and uh, continue on the Dave Ellswick Show, because once I start, I don't know when I'm going to be able to stop. That's coming up here at 96.5 FM, but only for one more week. Then it'll be 101.1 FM, the answer. Hey, don't forget about April 14th. Make sure you circle that date on your calendar. Uh, That is the big annual anniversary sale at Safari Pets at 808 West Main in Cabot. Their phone number, 501-628-0067. Safari-pet.com is their uh, website. They're going to have lots and lots and lots and lots of sales and discounts that day, and you will not want to miss it. That is on April the 14th that's just a few weeks away and uh you know they have a lot of things uh that you can uh, 
you know, tie into because they, you know, they got everything you need for taking care of your pet or pets. So why not get some of the big things perhaps that you need at a much reduced cost? Again, that's Safari Pets, April 14th, 808 West Main in Cabot for their big annual anniversary sales event. Okay, so they had this big march over the weekend. And uh, I'd play the big speech that was given by that, that kid. Hog, I think his name was, H-O-G-G, Hog. And uh, I would, except that I didn't have the time to go back and take all the expletives out of it. I mean, kids got a foul mouth, no doubt about it. A real, real foul mouth. And doesn't understand much about the Constitution either. But uh, with that said, it's like, well, who put these kids up to all of this? You know, they didn't come up with this all by their lonesome. I'm just telling you that that did not happen. So who was behind, uh, the, uh, the big, uh, March for our lives and Sultan Kanish from Blogspot got out and started doing some, uh, you know, big time digging and coming up with the people behind it. And he says, as he starts off his uh, article here, his blog, three words that I say a lot on this on this show, and that is follow the money. If you want to know who's, you know, really speaking through the puppets, you got to find out who the puppet master is. And so you follow the money. Nearly every major anti-gun group has been a front group. The NRA is maligned 24-7, and yet it's completely uh, obvious whom it represents. You know that it represents gun owners. And uh, you can find out who gives a lot of that money just by going to their website. Despite the efforts to tie it to everyone from firearms manufacturers to the Russians, and, you know, if you can't tie any random Republican thing to the Russians these days, uh, you won't be working at the Washington Post or CNN for very long. It represents its 5 million members. Those members are the ones that fund the NRA. Anti-gun groups tend to represent networks. And finding out who's behind those networks is not always easy. Take every town, the noisiest and the most dishonest anti-gun group on the scene. The one consistent thing about anti-gun groups is that they are usually the opposite of what their name says they are. Every town for gun safety was formed out of two other groups. Moms Demand Action and Mayors Against Illegal Guns, Bloomberg's group. Both are actually front groups for Michael Bloomberg. He, of course, is the uh, lefty billionaire and former boss of the Big Apple who used New York City resources to host at least one of its websites. So every town is really New York City. 
That's where Bloomberg's from. That's who he represents, that kind of thinking. March for Our Lives is on every cable channel, but who runs it? Who runs uh, March for Our Lives? The uh, photogenic teen fronts are out front, but it's obvious to anyone that's watching all of this that a bunch of teenagers don't have the resources, as Russ was talking about just a moment ago. He gets it. Russ gets it. And skills. How many kids really know how to run uh, and coordinate a whole bunch of networks together to put together a nationwide march? Few, if any. Few, if any. So, who is actually running things? And I'll tell you right now, it's experienced activists who know how to put these things together. The March for Our Lives Fund is incorporated as a 501c4. Donations to 501c4 groups are not tax deductible, and they don't have to disclose their donors. That's why they're a great dark money conduit. But the uh, March for Our Lives website suggests that donors who want to make a tax-deductible donation should write a check to the March for Our Lives Every Town Support Fund. How will Bloomberg's organization provide support for that supposed student group? Why have uh, two March for Our Lives fund uh, one dark and one light? And why is one being routed through the godfather of the gun control lobby? When it comes to March for Our Lives, the questions never end. The March for Our Lives permit application was filed by Dina Katz, a co-executive director of the Women's March Los Angeles Foundation. This wasn't just a little bit of professional activist assistance, though. So what did they do? The application lists Katz as the person in charge of event. Katz is a former Dancing with the Stars and current Bill Maher uh, producer. She's also the former owner of Talent Central, a Los Angeles talent agency. Media contacts for March for Our Lives are being handled by 42 West. The agency is a full-service PR firm operating out of New York and Los Angeles that represents major celebrities. Let me tell you, I'm going to be real real straight with you, 42 West isn't doing this for free. So who's paying the big numbers, and I'm sure it's in the six digits, to run all of this? Where did all the millions of dollars go? That's a good question. They're being directed by people with knowledge of how to responsibly spend this money. And it's going to be very transparent. Every penny is going to be accounted for. Now that's what Jeff Kasky, the father of one of the students claimed. So who are those people? A leaked document reveals that the March for our lives action fund is actually overseen by six directors 
and is incorporated in Delaware. So far, we have Los Angeles, New York, and Delaware, but not Florida. Remember, that's where the shooting happened, where the 17 uh, students and teachers were killed. Donations are being directed to March for Our Lives Fund, 16130 Ventura Boulevard, Suite 320, Encino, California. And that matches the listed office address on the application for the Wish Now Ross Warzavsky and Company. The tax firm appears to have no website. So let's get this right. You've got a producer from the mill, Bill Maher Show, Dancing with the Stars, working with 42 West, who represents George Clooney and other major celebrity donors who have given millions of dollars for this march. And then they're being directed by people with knowledge of how to responsibly spend this money, says Jeff Kasky, the father of one of the students. Who are the people that are spending the money? Well, it's a document that was leaked and revealed that March for Our Lives Action Fund is actually overseen by six directors and is incorporated in Delaware. None of them in any way related to any of the victims or any of the students in any way. So now you got Los Angeles, New York, and Delaware, no Florida, by the way, and the uh, donations are going to a large tax firm in Encino, California. And then all the six directors lean toward Los Angeles. There's uh, Eileen Adams, the head of Do Good LA. Uh, there is, let's see, who else do we have here? Uh, George Kiefer, chair of the UCLA's Board of Regents. Nina Vinnick, who serves as the program director for the Gun Violence Prevention Program at the Joyce Foundation. The Joyce Foundation has been notable for its gun control efforts, and it's not surprising to find it here. The Joyce Foundation also set up the Anti-Gun Fund for a Safer Future. One story claims that several members of the Fund for a Safer Future are organizing internally to explore new ways of engagements in the wake of Parkland. Over in Washington, D.C., there's Vernetta Walker of a board source acting as the fund secretary, Jerry Rhodes of the Friends Committee on National Legislation acting as its treasurer. Which state is totally absent from any of this? If you said Florida, you are absolutely correct. Instead, this uh, whole organization, one of a number of seeming incarnations of the March for Our Lives brand, draws on established activist talent from the usual places, Chicago, L.A., Washington, D.C. There's nothing particularly local about it. March for Our Lives is funded by Hollywood celebrities, is led by a Hollywood producer, and its finances are routed through an obscure tax firm in the Valley. Its treasurer and secretary are Washington, D.C. pros, and the top funder of gun control agendas is also one of the directors. None of this has much to do with Parkland. The mass shooting by a mentally ill man who should have been committed and arrested long before he carried out his massacre was a political opportunity. 
now that opportunity is being exploited to the hilt by a professional class of political activists. So we've got more to look at when we come back. So I want to look at that. I want to look at some ma- a magazine editor sees this march that happened over the weekend as the biggest moment for the uh, teenagers of this era since Vietnam. We'll talk about that as well, too. But right now, Todd Starnes joining us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget, a week from today, no longer 96.5 The Answer, but 101.1 The Answer. All right. Excuse me. Let me finish up this blog uh, that was written by Sultan Kanish. And uh, Elizabeth is looking this up, and we will post it for you so that you can read it. You know, we we hear about the left, you know, going crazy about the NRA. These kids saying it's the NRA that's killing our students, et cetera, et cetera. But when you look at the NRA, you can find out who are the people behind it. Because the membership of the ERA is meant, uh, made out of people who want to be members, lifetime, one-year, two-year, three-year members. And that's where their money comes from. It comes from your fellow Americans. Now, when you look at the anti-gun people, they're in invariably false fronts. You know, it's very clear who runs the NRA. But the latest fake anti-NRA group is a nebulous shadow. Out front are the high school students. And out back are the professional activists. And who's really behind this whole thing? Let me give you two specific entities. One, Hollywood celebrities. Not jumping out in front and making themselves known. George Clooney, yes. The only one that I know of. And a hypocrite. At the, at, at the worst, a guy who just gets out front and talks about how terrible guns are and yet makes his money off of many times holding a gun in his hand and shooting at the bad guy. Uh, the other person behind this is, uh, Bloomberg, former mayor of New York and, uh, his network of organizations that he's put together. That's who's behind what's going on with uh, this whole thing of March for Our Lives. You know, maybe it's time that we start hearing from March for the Truth. You know, I think it would be a really great idea is to have a uh, a gun rights uh, march, a, a, a freedom of, of having a gun march, a Second Amendment march, March is uh, what we really need. And then we need as parents to turn our attention to our schools and find out what the heck they're teaching our kids about the constitution. And that we're a, you know, constitutional Republic. We're not a quote, democracy. It's not what we are. Never have been. 
God help us, we'll never will be. Because I don't want to be controlled by the mob, and that's what a pure democracy is. So bottom line, now you know who's behind this stuff. And uh, Elizabeth will text me and let me know when that article is up so that you can go and read it for yourself, and then you can share it with your friends and their friends and their friends and their friends. I mean, I wonder how many of these teenagers have sat down and thought, what now? We did this March, which they said 800,000 students would attend in Washington, D.C., about three, about 200,000 attended. The, uh, the real numbers came out earlier today. So there's a big problem, all right? Here's Elizabeth. She's letting me know here. She's going to tell me what she's doing. All right, what do we got here? Elizabeth. All right. She says she saw a nationwide call on Twitter for a second amendment March in all state caps on April 14th. So, um, I'll look further, uh, uh, into that. And as far as that last article that I use, which is called who runs March for our lives, uh, it has been posted on my Facebook account, the Dave Ellswick show. You can read it for yourself. Another article is the 17 uh, magazine editor who was relating and stating the similar, uh, similarity between the March for Our Lives march that just took place and the Vietnam protests. Let me just read a little bit of this. It's from Jenny Fink. On Saturday morning, the executive editor of 17 Magazine, Joy Bartolomo, boarded a bus filled with her colleagues and teens from the New York City area and headed for Washington, D.C. Mio spoke with Independent Journal Review on her way to the March for Our Lives rally. And as someone whose job centers on being keyed into what teens care about, explained the shift she's seen in recent years. Since its founding in 1944, part of 17's mission has been to make teen girls' voices heard. And within the last few years, the interest in activism has peaked. If you're looking at specific aspects about being an as, uh, an activist, I think that's really come up now with Gen X, or take that back, Gen Z. And it's re- I could, man, I get lost in all of the terminology for these different groups. And it's really something they're really passionate about. She defined Gen Z as today's high schoolers, and to highlight the enormity of the movement, she turned to history. Quote, when I saw this movement really pick up just over the last few weeks, I thought to myself, we haven't seen anything like this since Vietnam. During the Vietnam War, students turned out in droves to protest. Okay, now let's just stop right there. Students, 
Are we talking about high school students or are we talking about college students? They were college students. Yes, they were. The majority were college students and they did not appear overnight. Vietnam had been going on for a long, long time. And, uh, the marches and things of that nature, you know, and SDS and everything of the other groups that, uh, that started didn't pop up in two weeks or three weeks because it really was in, in its beginning, uh, more of a grassroots effort than what you're seeing in this whole thing about, uh, March for our lives. The way that people were being drafted back during the Vietnam War it was all these young people being sent off and killed. Now you're seeing that again. Teens looking at something and saying, this is about us. This is important to us. And we want to be heard. And they're getting their voices heard. She clarified that it's different in terms of the issue at hand, but drew the parallel that in both instances, It was a personal issue that young people took it upon themselves to speak out on, but they haven't taken it upon themselves. I would say a couple of things that popped up there in Florida were uh, grassroots, but most of the other stuff that's going on right now is being directed by adults and using these young people as pawns to push their particular, uh, you know, belief system uh, through them to the American public. All right, got about quarter till three. We'll come back and talk more about this article. There's there's more stuff that I want to chime in with. Coming up in the next hour, Conduit for Action will join us this Monday, an hour early, uh, because Jan Morgan is coming in. And in the four o'clock hour, she, of course, running for the nomination for governor for the Republican Party and running against Asa Hutchinson. She'll be here in the studio today. Uh, So uh, make sure you're close to a computer so you can watch it. Uh, You can tell a lot about what a person's thinking uh, by watching body language. And because we uh, broadcast this uh, show, Facebook Live, you'll be able to see you know, how she reacts to questions and things of that nature. And then we'll finish up at five o'clock with Robert Steinbach. And, uh, we're going to talk some about U of A and some about some other things. And we'll talk about the March, uh, that we're talking about, uh, right now. And I'll ask if he watched stormy do her thing on 60 minutes, uh, last night. It's Dave Ellswick show. We're at 96.5 FM. The answer right now. But this time next week, it'll be 101, 101.1 FM, The Answer. We're moving uptown. We're going to sound clear. We get out further, and we'll be booming in louder. Come up on Monday, April 2nd, and be on 101.1 FM. You know, one of the toughest things to do is to claim your Social Security benefits. Yeah, I know. All you got to do is call the social security office and say, I want to claim my benefits, but what's the best way to claim your benefits? 
what are some of the caveats to claiming your benefits? I mean, it gets complicated. It can get confusing and it can cost you a whole lot of money over the time uh, that you're getting your benefits and you don't want to lose thousands of dollars because, you know, you made a mistake in the way that you wanted to take them. It also can mean increased taxes and even higher Medicare premiums. So I want you to attend David Lucas's. He's the host of the David Lucas show uh, here on News Radio 96.5 FM, The Answer. And, and David has hosted 17 educational social security workshops last year. They all sold out because of his expertise. I've talked to a lot of the people that went to those, and they tell me that they were absolutely fantastic. Help people uh, in the questions that they had and things of that nature. Now, there is another couple of, of workshops coming up, and you better act on it now because they're coming up on the 29th and 30th of this month. And that's this week. So my suggestion is today call 501-653-6690. You'll pay $18. You'll get a 34-page Maximizing Social Security Workbook. So you'll understand how to claim your Social Security benefits the best way possible. So don't get cheated out of thousands of dollars. Just call 501-653-6690. Or you can visit davidlucasfinancial.com. That's all you have to do. And it works really, really well. All right, going back to this uh, IJR report and uh, talking about this, uh, uh, Jenny Fink talking about uh, Seventeen Magazine and the executive editor getting on a bus filled with uh, other journalists and teens from New York City doing all their thing uh, and how she compares it to the Vietnam movement. Because people are coming into their schools and they're killing these teens, she said. Their friends are being killed and they're afraid. First of all, the people that are coming into their schools, for the most part, are kids they're going to school with. They're kids that they have questions about at times and don't say anything uh, to anybody uh, about. And, uh, you know, because maybe they're making uh, threats or on Facebook or whatever, but they're not telling anybody in charge. Now, a couple of have, but for the most part, they don't. Because if you talk to a kid that's in uh, high school, junior high or uh, or whatnot, most of them say they got a no snitch policy. You don't snitch on your friend, no matter what they're saying. And so the kids themselves are part of the problem of this. However, a major difference between today and the Vietnam protest is the ability to uh, mobilize on a mass scale through social media. The editor of 17 explained that just by picking up their cell phones, Students are able to be connected to a movement that it's been, quote, incredibly powerful, unquote, in bringing supporters together from across the country. The executive editor pointed to the Columbine shooting and noted 
while it was in the news and there was attention on it, if there had been social media, it may have uh, sparked a massive movement like the one that's happening today. And then she goes on to say another difference between Vietnam and today is that the people supporting the movement aren't considered the fringe as protesters were then. She shared that Gen Z doesn't experience the same stereotypes as previous generations. So athletes don't have to just like do sports and uh, drama students don't have to just be interested in drama. So that it's really unifying all the different teens. It's cool to have a cause now. It's not just about a group of kids that are protesting what the government is doing. It's just something that's very broad. And then uh, she went on to say, we're not doing this to be political. We're just doing this to help these girls be activists and join this movement. If that's what you're doing, it, doing, then you're doing it to be political. And then they said, we want to lend their voices to this movement. We're just letting girls tell their stories. Just as 17 is using its bus to highlight the voices of the girls who are in support of stricter gun control measures, Bartolomeo would absolutely conduct an interview with a teen girl who's on the other side of the debate. She's not looking real hard, is she? Because there's plenty of them out there that she could talk to. All right, we're uh, coming up on the top of the hour. Next hour, it's a conduit uh, for actions who's going to join us. John Cooper has been writing stuff in the paper lately and basically trying to blow off some things that he said early on when he ran for a state representative or state senator. And we're going to talk about that because he's the big, biggest flip-flopper on uh, the whole thing about embracing Obamacare. And now Arkansas works that's out there. And he's trying to say, I, I speak for my constituency. Well, when he was, Speaking to run, he was speaking that he wanted to get rid of it and wouldn't vote for it. We'll prove that to you by some things that he said. Don't forget about Errol Plumbing. Earl wants you to know that uh, they are strong in giving you the service you have coming. They'll make sure somebody shows up, dressed professionally, ready to take care of whatever the problem is you have because they are well-trained. They'll diagnose the problem, whether it's at your home or your business. They'll be able to tell you what they have to do to fix it. And last but not least, uh, they'll lay out a price structure for you so that you can get the job done with Aero Plumbing. All you have to do is go to uh, visit them uh, at aeroplumbing.net or go to uh, their website by just Googling, uh, arrow plumbing. You know, I've used them five or six times over the last 14 years, uh, that I've been talking about arrow plumbing and every time they have done an absolute stellar job for me. And, uh, they get there when they say they're going to get there. They put the little booties on before they come in your house. They make sure they draw they drag no uh, dirt into your house. If they do, they'll clean 
your house so they take care of that dirt they're they're just superb earl has put together the ultimate plumbing uh business again you go visit them at aeroplumbing.net or just google them at aeroplumbing and uh, you'll find all the information uh, there that you need all right so we've got coming up uh in the next hour conduit for action they're going to join us conduit for action.org conduit news we'll be talking to them and i'm going to spend quite a bit of time talking about john cooper with them at the beginning of uh next hour because i'm tired of him saying well i've only, I, I always told my people i would vote the way they wanted me to vote i i i never said that i was against obamacare well you tell me if that's the truth I've got a piece of audio I want you to hear. I remember when he said it. He said that exact thing on my show many, many times in a row. Uh, Dozens of people went up to his district and walked for him, knocked on doors, put out door hangers because they believed, as he told them, he was a sure vote against Obamacare. When in fact, he became a sure vote for Obamacare. And that's all coming your way in a moment. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 96.5 FM, The Answer. All right, second hour, Dave Ellswick Show. Typically on uh, Mondays, we have Conduit for Action uh, on at 4 o'clock. And then Robert Steinbach at 5 o'clock. But today, uh, we're making room for four, at 4 o'clock for uh, Jan Morgan, who will join me live here in the studio to talk about her campaign and, uh, that she's running against, uh, Asa Hutchinson, uh, for the Republican nomination, uh, for governor. And of course that will be determined in May during the uh, primary. And that's not that far away. So she'll be here to, to join us with us and, and talk about that. The, another story I, I'd like to, to really get into today uh, is, I, you know, I talk with my different guests to see things that are on their mind they'd like to talk about, about what's on my mind uh, that I might want to talk about. And th- there's this article, uh, this was in the Jonesboro paper. Uh, it's called The Trump Effect, and it's written by John Cooper. So let me just read a couple of paragraphs uh, with this. And on the air with this is uh, Brenda uh, Vassar-Smith. And, and of course, uh, Joel is with us as well. Let me, let me run over some of this. Whether you agree with him or not, it is becoming very evident that President Donald Trump's election has energized a very extreme element of the Republican Party to the extent that they have become almost a separate party within a party. It is not just a matter of conservatism. It's a matter of far-right radicalism. Uh, The Republican Party of Arkansas is in a struggle for the moral and political soul of what it means to be a Republican. The destructive radical influence of Planned Parenthood did immense damage to the Democrat Party. The Tea Party radicals 
and Joe Maynard's conduit uh, will also do so to the Republican Party of Arkansas. There's a pattern of far-right influence that is now swinging seats nationally back to Democrats. I'll definitely disagree with that. Uh, That same pattern will happen in Arkansas, too, unless there is a wake-up. The public... Now, I want you... Now, Joe and Brenda are here right now. Listen listen closely, y'all. I know you've read this, but I'm going to read it again. I want people to hear this because it just blows my mind. The public will never stand for Republicans voting to cut off funds to the terminally ill in hospice, stopping funding for the elderly in nursing homes, preventing children from getting necessary surgeries, eliminating infirmary care of infants, and many other such programs. Now, the federal government has designated these as mandatory. Those are mostly federal funds, not state funds. So I'm going to stop you. I'm going to stop right there. Let me just go down that list, Joe and Brenda. When have you ever said we should take away funds for terminally ill patients in hospice? Never. Well, well, one of the things that occurs to me, Dave, when you read that list is I don't think any of those things that you talked about are covered by Medicaid expansion. They Those have nothing to do with Medicaid expansion, but yet Cooper wants people to believe that that's what we're against. And we're against Medicaid expansion, which is none of those things you listed, which is why I said on the radio last week, professional liars. Well, pain point politics. What's bigger example of that than this article from Cooper? Right, yeah. We want to throw kids in the weeds. <laughs> you know, uh, this, yeah, okay. This is yeah. what Democrats... Medicaid expansion doesn't cover children. Well, Democrats have been saying this stuff Forever. I mean, we all remember the the old Democrat ad of they had the grandma in the wheelchair pushing her down the stairs. I mean, come on. He's call, He's taking, you know, a, a page right out of the Democrat playbook to, to use here against members of the party of that we support. Uh, he says that Joe Maynard's conduit and the Tea Party have made sport for a long time of calling me insulting names like Turncoat and Benedict Arnold. Now, let's go to that, and why do we refer to John Cooper as a turncoat? Well, when he was running for office the first time, the Tea Party got behind him, got behind him very heavily. They went out and and knocked doors for him and put you know, hang uh, door hangers up and, and, uh, got on a phone bank and they worked hard to get John Cooper elected. And let's remind everybody exactly what John Cooper said about what John Cooper would do if he were elected, how he would respond to Obamacare and Medicaid expansion. And here's what he had to say. First of all, I'd say I'm opposed to the uh, private option. It is Obamacare in Arkansas, and Obamacare from the beginning to the end is an unworkable uh, is an unworkable act. It is a, a, a gathering of power, and it it uh, will not provide the health care that we need. 
if we uh, accept this, we are putting Arkansas on the hook for a couple of years. There is a short time, short-term savings, but a couple of years down the road, there is a crossover of costs. And then it's going to be very expensive. Secondly, the idea that uh, this will reduce the amount of cost uh, that is unreimbursed by emergency rooms is also false because statistics now are showing that that's just not the case, that that uh, those costs are also rising regardless of whether or not um, the private option is uh, incorporated. This is the implementation of the health care exchanges in Arkansas, which is the very fiber of Obamacare. And it is uh, a system that right now is bouncing along on square wheels. It is uh, very expensive. It's going to get more expensive. Premiums are going up and copays are going up. And just this morning, we looked at our copay and it was up tremendously. There you go. All right. Now, I'm thinking that if all I ever call this guy is a, a turncoat and a Benedict Arnold, he's getting off pretty easy after listening to what he said uh, on radio about SB, uh, what what number was it, 30s, SB 30 that they were voting on at that time? 96. Oh, SB 30 the other day, yeah. Okay. Uh, this last uh, go around. Now, now Dave, I want to go on record to say that I have never called John Cooper either one of those names. <laughs> My name for John Cooper is Lapdog. Oh, okay. I, I'm not sure if it's Asa or Hendren's lap or their leg he's clinging to, uh, who God knows what he would be doing there. But that's just that that's just what I've characterized it as because that's what I've seen happen. Yeah, it, I guess my whole thing is you listen to what the man just said and he has voted for uh the Medicaid expansion in this state every time it's come up for a vote. And you just heard him say, I can't vote for any of that. And yet he's doing it all the time. And then he goes on to say things uh, about, of course, being called insults, hurts, but I will do my duty to the public. And when that job is done, I will go home and sleep well, knowing that I didn't succumb to the most intense political intimidator that I have ever seen. Several of the Tea Party folks, Get a nice retirement income thanks to the taxpayers. Whoa, wait a second here, Mr. Cooper. Now you're referring to, I'm going to accept, uh, uh, say, Medicare and uh, uh, Social Security. As far as I know, everybody that's getting retirement checks from Social Security paid money into Social Security for years and years and years and years. I've been paying into it since I was 13 years old, and I just turned 65. And, yeah, uh, me too. You know, in Medicare, I pay Big Bunny out of my paycheck every two weeks for Medicare. Well, you, you can't opt out of that, though. No, absolutely you can't. So, uh, you know, he goes on and says... Uh, they get and they got most of their education also came at taxpayers' expense. If I ever see, I don't John, know who he's talking. I guess he's I, talking about the Tea Party people got most of their education at taxpayers' expense. You know, uh, I think that 
Senator Cooper is jealous that he's not wearing a blue T-shirt. It just sounds like he wants to be a Democrat, and uh, you know he's already uh, opted opted in for the Republicans. But he reminds me of an art. You know, this is not this is really a, a sort of a different level. But I remember in November 2015, I'm actually holding a copy of Joe and My Response. It was never published to talk business. Where uh, John Burris called us delusional and difficult outsiders. Now, you know, we are Republicans. We've been Republicans for, you know, I can't remember how far back. We've worked inside the county committee. We've worked outside. We've door knocked. We've donated. We've run for office ourselves. We've been on the national, the state, the county levels. You know, we're, we're Republicans through and through. And so when John wants to say that we are destroying the party and that we're going to see a tsunami, today's article uh, in the op-ed in, in Arkansas Democrat Gazette was Trump tsunami is coming. I mean, sounds the articles sound very, very similar. Fortunately, Bradley gets we don't know him, and he didn't mention our names, but, um, you know, they can predict that Democrats will be elected, but I would propose when Republicans act like Republicans, they get reelected when they stand on the principles that their platform is written. I agree wholeheartedly. And, and, and to add something to the name calling, I mean, I, I think fringe, radical, extreme are names that the establishment has agreed and coordinated to to label us. And all I can say is, you know, describe how your conservative policies have been implemented honestly and and where we've been wrong or untrue or outside the republican platform what where is that and and they i can assure you that they'll have a difficult time answering that if they're honest dave you know us. you pretty much know what policies and positions we stand on yep where are we outside the republican platform I don't think you are. I think you stand on the conservative part of the of the uh, Republican platform. I think, as John Cooper would not say, that the Republican Party has many cases and in many instances here in this state gone soft. They didn't run on this stuff when they first got elected. Now they're running on it and, and implementing it, I believe, to keep themselves elected. No, they're not running on it, Dave. I, I take exception to that. We have been in uh, uh, several races last uh, primary cycle, 2016. That's what uh, John Burris's article refers to. And then this last special election, they run on conservative principles and swear to the death that you're lying when you produce a vote where they voted elsewhere. Uh, you know, notice that Cooper, you know, he's kept his promises. And it, I predict that if he were to run, uh, have an election, this cycle, he would be claiming he had voted against Obamacare. Which is the governor's take on it all. Uh, if you remember, he in uh, the primaries two years ago, the governor came out in the primaries over in your neck of the woods, uh, one of them being Eddie Joe Williams and, and Jane English, and said with those people the first day of early voting that Obamacare Medicaid expansion, Arkansas Works, whatever you want to call it this week, was not Obamacare. And we've got him on, you know, on audio claiming exactly the opposite two weeks before. So, you know, this, this is this, you know, I, I don't know what you want to call it. I mean, maybe we shouldn't say lie. You know, it's deceit. Uh, something else 
you might remember that we put out this list uh, of the different techniques they use. Well, guess what? People want it. That's in John Cooper's article. Oh, people want it. Okay, well, then let's just give them whatever they want. You know, there's the deceit, the pain point politics, projection, deflection. <laughs> we have our seven uh, strategies. There's most of them on display. Yeah, he, he hit at least uh, five of them. That you're talking about, yeah, but who's keeping score? Yeah, I am. All right, because uh, I, I really, when somebody puts up this much subterfuge, it's because they know that they're guilty of lying to the very voter, voters that put them into uh, into office, and and that's what happened as far as John Cooper uh, is concerned. He said he would never get behind Obamacare or Medicaid expansion. And he's been nothing but a yes vote ever since for it. You know, I want to say one more thing if we have time. Um, If you've been to Jonesboro, Craighead County, and you've met the Tea Party people over there, uh, those of whom he throws rocks at, they are some, you know, Joe and I, you can hate us because we have a hard edge. We say things so no one misunderstands. But the Tea Party in Craighead County, those are the nicest most pleasant individuals I have ex- had the experience of knowing, and to see them attacked by the guy they helped get elect- elected, and then for them not to be able to mount a candidate against him so he declaims, you know, a victory again is very sad. Well, now let me add to that that the, the reason that there was not a candidate mounted against him uh, possibly is that the establishment made sure he had in excess of $100,000 in his campaign with, before he even had an opponent, which he never got. Before filing. So I wonder, you know, how, how that PAC money worked. Yeah. And well, why? Why should I listen? Where it went after. Why should yeah, I? Like, what happened to it afterwards? You know, where, where'd that all go? You know what, Joe? I'm not going to listen to you. You're not just nothing but a really rich guy who hates other people. I hope you yeah, know well, that, that was, was very unkind thing. of you, Dave, <laughs> and unhelpful. <laughs> anyway, well, yeah, we... I, I, like I said, I, I wish I uh, had the wherewithal that people would like to ascribe to me, uh, and, and I'm not certain why Republicans all of a sudden uh, look at that as a, a deficit. But uh, if I had that, uh, what they thought I had, then they wouldn't be in office. I can guarantee that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad, though, when John Cooper writes an, uh, an op-ed like that. I'm sure that the Tea Party would have some things to say about that. Faulkner County Tea Party would have some things to say. They traveled up to Craig's head to help him get elected. Man, I mean, talking Absolutely. about... Absolutely. Uh, yeah, is David on this week? You, you can take that up with him. Yeah, I could give him a call and get him on. But when we come back, I'd like for us to talk about uh, what we're looking at as far as this list of tax exemptions to eliminate, to increase taxes. I, I went over this uh, last week and uh, am going to pick it up again next week with JR because I went in and added up all the money they say that they'll get if they close up these exemptions, and it was over 800 and something million dollars. And then towards the end of the article, it said, you know, Asa was really pushing it. Governor was really pushing it because he wanted to move the top tax bracket from 6.9 to uh, 6%. And that would cost, I think it was, about $160 million. Well, I want to know what the other 
sixty six hundred and forty million dollars is going to be used for? Hmm. Well, I'll tell you, if they just put the Medicaid expansion people directly on traditional Medicaid, they'd say twice that. All right. So we could go to 5% then, maybe. <laughs> All right. Well, let's hold on. We'll come back and talk. Conduit for Action, my guests, Brenda and Joe, conduitforaction.org. All right. Back with you. The uh, Dow Jones right now is just going crazy. So that stormy interview on 60 Minutes last night didn't have uh, any negative effect on the uh, on the president. The Dow is up 669.40 right now. That's almost three, well, it's two and three quarters percent is what it is. It's unbelievable bull today. Hey, let me tell you about uh, Lewis Family Beef, family-owned ranch out in Greenbrier. Cattle are born on the ranch, raised on the ranch, taken to a packing house close by uh, where they're, pre- uh, you know, prepared uh, for consumption. Uh, they don't use antibiotics on any of the cattle that uh, they have, uh, you know, butchered for you. Uh, if antibiotics are used on a cow because it gets sick, it is taken out of the food chain. They don't use additional hormones. A cow produces hormones naturally doesn't need a bunch of a bunch more hormones injected into it so what uh, they offer to you is what you'll know as clean beef clean beef for your family and you get free delivery anywhere here in central uh, arkansas you can buy a quarter a half or a whole cow and uh, the lewis family will work with you uh, so that you can make that happen Uh, the packing house will call you to set up how you want your beef cut and uh, all you gotta do is pick up the phone it's 501-514-1494 501-514-1494 or you can go on facebook facebook.com slash lewis family beef i got four i got uh, fox news coming up and uh, we're going to get to that find out what's going on uh, in the world it wouldn't surprise me if the stock market may lead that story or it might be Jimmy Carter saying that uh, picking Bolton uh, for the Trump cabinet was a really bad idea, which I think would tell you that it was a really good idea when it comes to foreign policy. All right, so let's get to Fox, then we'll be back with more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. The answer, don't forget that a week from today, we will be moving to 101.1 FM. Bigger signal, better coverage, clear just all around going to be fantastic. You'll be able to hear us clear all the way up to Moralton. I mean, just booming away. So just know that uh, you're going to be happy about this. You're going to be very happy about this. All right, so we're talking to Brenda and Joe at Conduit uh, for Action. I want to talk some about uh, what's going on with the tax task force and just you got to say that real slow task uh, the tax task force and they want to close up what they consider a bunch of loopholes uh and this way they'll get more money uh across the board so running through this real quick guys they got gasoline or motor vehicle fuels uh on which the fuel tax has been paid. The exemption was estimated to reduce total revenue by $304 million. 
prescriptions, drugs sold by pharmacists, hospitals, or physicians, or oxygen prescribed by a physician. That would uh, reduce total revenue by $208 million. Feedstuff used in the commercial production of livestock and poultry, which was estimated to reduce total revenue by $148.7 million. Machinery and equipment used in manufacturing or processing. Uh, this is another $106 million. Any hospital, sanitarium, uh, I'll stop in a moment. I just got to get them in here. Or a not-for-profit nursing home, another $98 million. You add all, all that up, it's over $800 million. Then you look down in this story. It comes in the last paragraph. Governor Asa Hutchinson told lawmakers last month that he plans to propose cutting the state's top income tax rate from 6.9% to 6%, which would reduce revenue by about $180 million. Uh, in 2015-17, blah, 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 cut individual income taxes, which reduced revenue by about 150. Okay, so 180, and then you got 600 and something million more dollars that are going to come in because you're closing off these exemptions. You know, where's the win for the taxpayer here? It doesn't look like much of a win uh, for the taxpayer, does it to you? Well, uh, I've, I've got something to say about that, but I wanted to finish up, if I may, on that last subject is uh, people are worried at the federal level and at the state level about Republicans being reelected. There's certainly a dynamic that's historically uh, indicative of what the performance of the party outside of power does. But what I would worry about at the federal and state level is Republicans not doing what they promised when they got elected. That is the biggest danger to the Republican majorities. Now, yeah. m- moving on to this subject, I would call, instead of tax decreases, I would call this tax restoration. I mean, they're going to try to play this as a tax decrease. Overall, net-net, which we both know is not going to be right. But they want to avoid the word tax increase. So let's just call it tax restoration then, to be honest. To get rid of the exemption. Yeah, to get rid of the exemption. Yeah. They're restoring a tax. That's yeah. correct. They're not cutting do, anything. Just do anyhow. We're just going to get rid of the nasty people who don't have to pay it. Right. Yes, yeah, kind of like the Internet taxes. do already. Mm-hmm. Right. It's nothing, nothing new. So they can't have it both ways. And so the public has to be, you know, they're not stupid, but, you know, you listen to so many words, you don't believe any of them. And like Joe said, the only thing that's going to elect Democrats at this point is when these Republicans in Arkansas go back on their promises and to try to sell the people, I'm going to take more money from you, but I'm going to take it out of a different pocket is, is ridiculous. People aren't, aren't going to fall for that. And so they're mad at us because we pointed out and just, you know, if you get more money than you had previously as the government, if they receive, you know, have bigger revenues, no matter where they come from, those come from tax increases. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you got to be stupid not to understand that if you take it from businesses, you take it from farmers, you take it from people from all kinds of industries uh, here in the state, that that's going to end up coming out of our pocket because prices are going to go up for goodness sakes. Have you, uh, are you, do you know Steve Stevens? Yes. 
And, you know, he's the chairman of Club for Growth, the national organization. Uh, part of the reason that we have some really good uh, congressmen and senators in, in D.C., the few that we do have. But um, he told Joe and me in a private conversation, I, I hope I'm not repeating something he wouldn't want said, but in 2013, as soon as Medicaid expansion passed, I think he told us this in 14, but he said they're going to increase, the, they're going to bring the sales tax back on food. And then they're going to say, well, they have to pay, the people who are getting the benefit of the Medicaid expansion should have to pay for it, so that justifies it. But, you know, Steve worked in Arkansas politics for many, many years and understands the mentality of the special interest. And, you know, his money was on they'll, they'll do away with the sales tax exemption on food. And so we'll see if he knows what he's talking about. Well, I've kind of... There's been people that have been saying that there's, it's been out there, uh, running on the grapevine at the Capitol at times that they're looking to reinstate some of the food tax, if not all of the food tax. Now, the reason that might've come up with, with Steve Stevens is because he worked with the group that I was with, with Carl Kimball and, and Tim Jacobs and others that got the necessary signatures, uh, to get, uh, get rid of the food tax on the ballot. We didn't have enough money to really do any kind of promotion for it. And at that time, governor Huckabee was adamantly against it and uh, worked hard to defeat it. And they did, but Steve Stevens were, was really, uh, strongly involved in that effort to get rid of the food tax. So if anybody would have a, a feel for that, it would be him. I'm sure. Well, well, let's use this as a teachable moment. The Republican platform is unambiguous regarding reducing the size of government and decreasing taxes. Now, the Republican Party in Arkansas, as its claim to fame, has not been to do either of those things. The opposite. They've done the opposite. Now, how is it that we're the bad guys for pointing that out? I agree with that. I guess when they say we're going to get Republicans unelected, they're afraid it's going to be them we're going to get unelected. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, this whole radical thing, you need to take this up with David Crow because he, he definitely is a radical. There's no question. If you've met David and his wife, oh, my God, you talk about fringe. I think radical and you know, has to be defined as someone willing to put their energy and their money behind their beliefs. Well, I think radical, according to people like Cooper, is that anyone who would honestly say, you better have a good reason why you think you should take uh, a voter's money out of their pocket to give it to somebody uh, so that they can have something that they probably could attain with unemployment the way it is in this state if they would just get a job. You know, that, that is a really good point, and, and we have put out some, some articles regarding employment in Arkansas, and, and I have about 35 years' experience of, of seeking and adding employees to a business, and it, is, it has been difficult over the past few years, and it's going to get a lot more difficult to find employees that will show up, do the job, and pass a drug test. I don't care about vocational training. You know, they've done such a great job, K through 12, based on the employment test that I give my employees, that I don't want to train, uh, I don't want them training anybody else. You know, just quit paying them not to work is all I'm asking, and quit giving the tax money that my business pays 
to China so that they can hire my employees back at a higher rate than I can pay them with their with my own money. It's just, this is insane. I, I will say back on the tax exemption uh, list, you know, the list that we have, what, 13, 18 pages, whatever it is, 13 pages, um, I, I think I'll assign some of our uh, team at Conduit to put together, you know, an Excel sheet. We'll look at the different people on the task force, and we'll look at the special interest lobbyists with all these tax exemption groups and sort of start tracking the donations. Yeah, we could probably come up with a pretty good prediction of who's going to vote for what. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We wouldn't want to be unkind. No. Yeah, I, I'm going to be very interested. I guess it's by September 1st. They've got to come up with all of their recommendations. I'm going to be very interested to see how much money they're going to suck out of the different businesses in the state. Businesses that are starting to to, to come around and have uh, you know been able to survive through the 2008 downturn and whatever that and and every business has somebody out there talking to them uh to the people about exemptions because they couldn't afford the taxation that was there now you're going to lay it back on them again how do the people that are on these uh, panels thinking that they're going to make do with this reduction in uh, money, except to pass it on to the consumer. You know the farmer's going to have to pass it on. Well, I'll tell you one, one way that they'll make this happen. We, you know, we're busy teaching the public principles ways to understand better what um, uh, political class does. There's a, a principle based on you know, concentrated benefits, dispersed costs. So when you find a group of people and you spread the cost of an action among a lot of them, so there's a small amount of cost, oh, it's just a half a cent sales tax or it's just a one, one cent sales tax, and then you have a group that they're concentrated benefits for a certain action, well, those with, with, that benefit greatly, they're going to go up in arms and spend money to uh, make things stop things or make them happen. So perhaps looking at these tax exemptions, where's the greatest concentration of uh, benefits and the greatest or uh, most dispersed cost. And, of course, you know, sales tax on food, um, maybe sales tax on um, uh, gas or diesel, gasoline, whatever might not be so because they have a stronger lobby. But we can sort of look at those type issues and, and predict how this thing might turn out. Well, I'm going to be very interested to see what uh, they come up with because the way I, I will agree with you, the way this is panning out, this is not tax reform to see taxes reduced. It's tax reformed that's increasing money, uh, Sonny, uh, as far as money coming to uh, uh, the, the government, more money coming to the government for them uh, to spend. You all stay tuned. I'll be right back with you. I've got to remind everybody about Sonny's, Sonny's Auto Salvage. RD, as you know, is the owner he wants you to remember that if uh, you got a car like mine, you're driving it until the wheels far, fall off. I'm almost, uh, I'm within about 15, 16,000 miles of being at 300,000. When you start looking at parts that need to be uh, replaced, uh, the best place to look is Sonny's Auto Salvage. I don't want, uh, you know, a brand new part from, you know, uh, GM. I'll take a piece off of one of those well-maintained uh, total loss vehicles that are sitting over at Sunny's Auto Salvage or another salvage yard 
somewhere in the United States that Sonny's is hooked up to that gives me the one, two, or three-year warranties on, on my part and unlimited mileage for the time uh, that uh, it's in my car. So when you want the best uh, deal for your money, do it with Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. Give them a call, 982-7451. That's 982-7451. All right, let's finish up our conversation with Brendan Joe here from Conduit for Action on the Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, don't forget that a week from uh, today, we will be at 101.1 FM uh, and still be the answer. Still have all the great programming you're he- you want to hear. Plus, be able to hear us much better all the way up to the Moralton area, way out by Redfield and a lot of other areas here in central Arkansas. We'll be booming around and, uh, and coming to you live here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about uh, David Lucas, and he's got another one of his educational social security workshops coming up on the uh, March 29th and 30th. Uh, all you have to do is uh, give them a call. Registration's $18. Includes a 34-page maximizing Social Security workbook. You'll uh, learn a lot of different things about how not to get screwed out of your money. Uh, this has got the changes or the explanation for the changes that the federal government uh, has made for this year. All you need to do is call 501 501- Six five three sixty six ninety. That's five zero one six five three sixty six ninety. Or visit davidlucasfinancial.com. And again, that's uh, the 29th and thirtieth. Call today. Uh, the seats are down to just uh, you know a minimum amount of seats remaining. If you want one, you better call in and get yours. All right, back with Joe and and with Brenda. And again, guys, it just seems like to me it's amazing how quickly. Uh, politicians forget what they said. I want to play that piece real quickly again uh, from Cooper when he was running for office and how he felt about uh, this whole thing about the uh, uh, Medicaid expansion. And and this is what he had to say. First of all, I say I'm opposed to the uh, private option. It is Obamacare in Arkansas and Obamacare from the beginning to the end is an unworkable uh, is an unworkable act. It is a, uh, a, a gathering of power, and it, it uh, will not provide the health care that we need. If we uh, accept this, we are putting Arkansas on the hook for a couple of years. There is a short-time, short-term savings, but a couple of years down the road, there is a crossover of costs, and then it's going to be very expensive. Secondly, the idea that... Uh, this will reduce the amount of cost uh, that is unreimbursed by emergency rooms is also false because statistics now are showing that that's just not the case, that that uh, those costs are also rising regardless of whether or not um, the private option is uh, incorporated. This is the implementation of the health care exchanges in Arkansas, which is the very fiber of Obamacare. And it is uh, a system that right now is bouncing along on square wheels. It is uh, very expensive. It's going to get more expensive. Premiums are going up and copays are going up. And just this morning we looked at our copay and it was up tremendously. All right. So that's what he was saying then. 
when he was looking to uh, become a state senator, which the uh, the folks from uh, the grassroots organization, the Tea Party here in, in Craighead County and in uh, Faulkner County and other counties around the state, flooded into his area, walked for him to get elected, knocked on doors, put out uh, door hangers and did all of that. And then what did John Cooper do? He got elected, he came in, and he immediately started voting for Medicaid expansion, doing just the opposite of what he said he would do. And then how does he react when people ask why he was doing that and call him, as I used to do on on the air, a turncoat. Uh, Others call him a Benedict Arnold. I called him a turncoat. What do you call somebody? Who tells you to go do, you know, yeah, yeah, lapdog. What do you talk, what do you say to somebody that tells you one thing specifically and just turns it 180 on you? I, well, there, there's a lot of background to that, that that we're privy to, that it's not really reasonable to try to explain in, in five minutes on the radio. But, but, you know, you can see a pattern with these folks in Little Rock, and you can't always predict. But one thing that I'd like to, to mention as a concept is, and I've mentioned this on your show before, I think, Dave, is uh, Brian King running for re-election is getting, I guess, some negativity about not showing up in Little Rock for votes. Like, he, he doesn't do his duty to the citizens of his district. Well, I can tell you one thing, is if nobody would show up in Little Rock, except on, a, on very rare occasions, taxes would necessarily go down because the private market would take care of that, as in the internet sales tax. If people buy from the internet, sales tax would be reduced. Government would be reduced. If they do nothing about this sales tax, it will necessarily go down with private market forces. It's a very simple thing. So I I don't think being labeled as a person who doesn't go to Little Rock enough to vote is a bad thing because if you don't show up to vote, it's a no vote. And right. no is good. When we were discussing our scorecard, you know, I would always say tongue in cheek that we did not give Brian King extra credit for not showing up. You know, of course, we did not um, score votes that didn't happen. But, uh, you know, it is worth considering giving them extra credit if they don't go. Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, a no vote's a no vote, but. I guess the my big problem is is that the people who are out there, I wish they would remember what these politicians promised and what they've delivered. And I don't know how to best deliver that to them. I talk about it constantly here on the air. You all talk about it, write about it. Paul Harrell talks about it. Others talk about it. And it's like we're talking to a brick wall at times. Uh, I would like to clarify something from last week. While I was on your show, you, we were talking about the article that came out on Talk Business Politics, uh, talking about ASA attacking us, and that I had given them a response they'd requested, but they had not published it. And I would like to thank uh, the publication for printing our response. They've done that since being on your show last week. So just a shout out to them. Okay, good stuff, guys. Yeah, they're, they, they're news. But we are not, according to Asa. I know, Joe. Joe, we got a break, buddy. Neither are you, Dave. You're not news. I never have been. I'm always been all about opinion. I've I've never said I was a a news guy. I used to be a news guy back in the day when I covered 
state legislatures in Texas and Indiana and North Dakota. Hey, I'll be back with you yeah, guys we're, next we're week. News, we're a mirror. <laughs> we hold up a mirror to these folks. All right. Got to get, got to get. We're out of time. I'll talk to you all next week here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 96.5 FM, The Answer. Don't forget, this time next week, we'll be at 101.1 FM, and it's called The Answer. Show Jan Morgan joins us. She wants to be a Republican candidate uh, for governor. Wants to be a Republican candidate or, or is, is a Republican a, 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 candidate, I'm, Dave? She wants to be the Republican well, actually, governor. Actually, the way I see it, I am the only true Republican <laughs> candidate in this race. You got us right back on the track here so we can talk. Bottom line is she wants to be the, ne- the next Republican governor of the state of Arkansas. That's yes. what she wants. There you go. All That's right. That's it. You were Not telling the next me. Republican, the, the first Republican governor in a long time since Huckabee. That's Well, we can talk about that. Okay. All right, let's talk about it. That's why I'm in the race. Anyway, let, let, let's run Let's run back. And you were telling me when you came in and uh, we had a break going on, you've been out uh, making the rounds today here in uh, Central I've been making Arkansas. the rounds all over the state. But, but I'm yes, talking been about, town, you've been talking to the people rounds, that I know. Yes. So yes. you, go, you go ahead. You, you went and saw Roby Brock today. Yes, I did. Good. I talked business politics. Great, great interview. Had a lot of fun. And it's really my first time to get to visit with him. And, uh, you know, because I, I decided to put the people first and I wanted to travel the state and listen to the people mm-hmm. and put together our policy platform based on what the people said or the issues that are important to them. And then I would be ready to talk to, uh, you know, to the folks in Little Rock. And so we're ready. So when is it going to air? I, it, multiple times, I believe. I think Tracy, do you have the dates and times? That, yeah, he's going to. Okay, he's looking it up. Looking it up. Okay, he's got his Bible. That's called a cell phone, uh, right there with him. You're not hearing good. Not really. I can. How do I adjust that? Here, reach, reach right under the the table there. There's a little silver dial. You can turn it up. Much better. There so you, you did. A, you've done you. a lot of broadcasting and <laughs> TV broadcasting yes. though, not radio. Yeah, just a well, little radio. Radio, we're all deaf. <laughs> we are, and I started off in rock and roll. Let me tell you. My ears used to bleed when I was on the air because I had my headphones up so high. I don't think I'd be bragging about that. So. <laughs> well, just the way it was in rock and roll. What can I there say? You go. Well, that's what Ted Nugent told me. You know, he's he's lost over half of his hearing. Really? And Didn't know said, that. But that's from shooting guns. No, no. <laughs> Without from, a proper he used hearing to protection. Play, he used to stand in, in front of a huge wall of speakers and he said, lost half my hearing, small price to pay for rock and roll. There you go. That's what he says. I think so it's anyway, co- probably a combination of both, but yeah. He's a good man. But yeah. l- let's talk. Uh, who else did you talk to? I talked with Mike Wickline from the Arkansas Democrat okay. Gazette. Had a nice visit with him. Accidentally ran into Andrew DeMillo of Associated Press. Okay. He, he happened to, you know, it seemed like the Capitol Bistro was the place to be this morning because while we were there, all kinds of folks walked in the door. And I also vis- visited with uh, Jesse Tenure on Capitol View. That's my second time to do her show. Always a, a pleasure being there, too. So the Bistro, is that the old cafe? Yeah, right. Just, just down the street from the Capitol. Okay. Yes. Yes. Did, did it up, got it all ready to go now. That, yes. That's good. The governor walked in while I was there. I, I thought for sure maybe we could talk, but. He didn't want to talk to you? No, he, he ran out the door. Like, was he as soon as he saw good? me. Well, you know, as he was running out the door, I said, Governor, about that debate. <laughs> Still waiting on a debate. Uh, he, 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 he wouldn't look. He didn't say anything. He, he, he would not you? acknowledge me. No, he ran out the door. So, you know, but yeah, I hate. Look, the people—they need to—they need to see the two of us on the same stage, with the media out of the way. No, no biased media. Just Jan and Asa, one-on-one Lincoln Douglas format debate, where we can just get down to the issues 
and go back and forth without any interference other than a moderator telling us your time's up, your time's up, so that the people can get to the to the truth here and decide what they want. It, you know, anything less than that is really not fair to the people. But so far, uh, every time the media has approached him, and I have formally challenged him, I think I formally challenged yeah, him on your show. You did. I did on uh, Channel 7, on Channel 4, every newspaper interview, everywhere I go around the state, I say, I'm once again asking Governor Asa Hutchinson to please, of course, he won't even say my name. You notice he refers to me as his opponent. He's like he's afraid if somebody hears my name, they might might actually check into who I am and might actually like me and the message right, that I'm right. bringing. So, you know, maybe that's his strategy. But, uh, yeah, his answer every time to the media has been exactly the same. It's been, well, I believe she and I are going to be speaking in the same location at an event in the next month, and we'll see how that goes. One reporter did have the guts, though, to just say, so with all due respect, sir, that's not the same as a debate. Yes, and his and his response. We'll see how it goes. Oh, okay. That's it. All right. So, is there any group here in Arkansas? I mean, you know, I don't know women for voting or something like that uh, that can put on a debate. Well, or? no, the, the, he's already been approached by I know at least one group okay. asking for a debate. Yes, uh, that was a Tea Party organization. I think it was Faulkner County. I'm not. Okay. I'm not sure, but I remember because they they approached us and we said, "Sure, you bet. Just you know, tell us." time and place we'll be there but uh didn't but aetn or no, right. nobody else has no i've, come I've heard but nobody's approached us from aetn so okay. I, I don't know anything about that because you would seem that they would be it seems like they're typically the ones that come out mm-hmm. and ask for debates would think that they would they would they would do that mm-hmm. and 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 want right. to have a debate now i think that he has changed the narrative a little bit because uh channel was it channel four this morning or yes channel four told us that they had approached him and said you know, Jan Morgan's team is wanting to debate. Are you willing to do a debate? Mm-hmm. And now the narrative has changed. Well, we'll see. We're trying to work out a schedule. We're trying to schedule something. But nobody from his team has reached out to us and, and tried to see what our schedule would allow. But maybe we need to reach out to them. Uh, Tracy, we'll give the governor's off. But I did try to stop him at the at the bistro right, today. Right. But he ran away. And maybe talk to him about if it. If I didn't have on five-inch heels, I would have chased after him to see if I could <laughs> <laughs> stop him. <laughs> okay. All right. So how how has the campaign been progressing? Great. Awesome. You know, uh, massive crowds everywhere we go. Um, The really cool thing is, even as I'm introduced at different venues, we're getting a standing ovation even before I speak. And then after I speak, that standing ovation validates that, yes, that is the message that the people want. That is their message. It's the message that that the people of this state, Dave, sent when they went 72 percent for Donald Trump. It's the message that our establishment Republicans in D.C. have heard but have ignored when they came out with that ridiculous omnibus bill. I mean, what a what a major de- betrayal uh, by the Republican Party to the people of this country. And I think that what is happening in Arkansas is the same thing, just on a smaller scale. That's what's happening here. We, we, we keep, as you were talking before the break, we keep electing Republicans who, who tell us. And, for example, on the uh, Arkansas Works issue. How many of our Republicans ran on the promise that they would not expand Medicaid? And mm-hmm. then as soon as they were elected, turned around and because of arm twisting from our governor, by our governor, changed their position. Never mind what the people want who elected them. It's the pressure from the governor's office. Uh, and now you can't even get uh, D.C. politicians to even answer to the media. The media can't seem to find them anywhere. Somebody answer Republicans, why did you vote for this omnibus bill? The people in America said we want a border wall. We want to secure our borders. We want to fund ICE. We want more money. We want to expand ICE agency. And, we, you know, it's like they didn't hear. 
what what did we get out of the omnibus? The opposite of, of what the people, the agenda the people sent President Trump. Well, with. I would say we got a few things out of it, but that few things doesn't override the massive overspending that went on in that bill. You know, as far as the military and things, it was the most government spending in a modern history. Yep, it was. Well, the same things happening here in our state capital. I mean, every year we we exceed last year's spending under Republican leadership, and we're supposed to be going backwards under Republican leadership, and and that's just not going to happen as long as we continue with the current governor and his and his uh, uh, water boys. You were are, just talking about one before the break. Let's say, let's say you get elected. How are you going to be able to handle a legislature that probably, I'm, I'm going to say probably, I don't know. They, they seem to be kind of wishy-washy most of the time. I know what your ideas are, mm-hmm. but how are you going to get them to, to buy into your ideas okay, and do here, what you want to do? Here is the flaw in the statement you just made. They're not my ideas, Dave. They're the people's ideas. Remember, I, I'm telling you, what I'm bringing to the table is not necessarily Jan Morgan's personal agenda. This is the agenda of the people of this state after visiting with them for eight months, mm-hmm. every corner of this state. So what I'm going to do that's different, you know, what President Trump has faced with his legislature is a little different than what we're facing here. The reason we have Republicans misrepresenting the people here is because their leader is arm-twisting them to vote like Democrats. Now we're going to have a Republican in the governor's seat who is going to shine the light of transparency on the state capitol and let the people apply the pressure. I think that we have a number of great legislators. In fact, there are many of them, Dave, I've told you before, who are backing me behind the scenes. Some of them have stepped up to the the plate publicly and endorsed me. But those who are helping me behind the scenes, these are some of the people who voted the wrong way before and once they get the pressure off their backs from this governor, they're going to they're going to go back to representing the people, their constituency. And, and I know this because the people are going to apply the pressure that's necessary. And it's going to be either you serve those people or you get out of the way. So let me ask this question and see if you agree with me. These guys are, and ladies who say they, they support you, but, uh, you know, they don't want to go against the governor per se. I'm just until after the primary, until after the primary. Well, you know why? In fact, some of them have stepped up a little more to the plate after the filing, okay, Mm -hmm. because anybody who dares to buck him, look at our top list of conservatives. You were just talking about the conservative, the the legislator uh, scorecard. Yes. You saw that. You were talking about that before the break. Okay. The top most conservative legislators in our state now all have primary opposition, strategically placed by the governor and and are funded by ASA PACs. What does that tell you? Well, these I are the know people that who he's been involved to, yeah, in the, these are in the, the people primaries. who dare to represent the people of their district. Well, I get maybe I'm wrong, but as I'm just a, a talk show host, all right. But if I was running for office, I wouldn't care. Here's one reason: I know how to use the media. Mm-hmm. All right. Any time that the sitting governor was threatening me, I'd look mm-hmm. for the nearest camera that I could get in front of. Mm-hmm. You would think, and I'd start calling him out. And that's why I called them out. Remember when yep. I went to state capitol, I called well, you them got the out. Same background. I, I pointed, I pointed fingers and said, "Look, you guys," uh, and that's why I went to to deliver that admonishment. But I don't understand that I, personally. I, I would rather go down fighting. Yeah, uh, that's just me. But we're not all the same, Dave. And some people uh, serving in office is their lifelong career. That's what they want to do the rest of their life, and they're terrified at the thought of losing that elected position. And so. 
whatever it takes to stay in office, they're going to do. And I and there's so much, you know, there's so much uh, corruption going on at that state capitol. It's it's open, it's out in the open in the hallways. Um, so I, I think that I think you're going to see a dramatic change. I know that Brian King, for example, is running again because I'm running and he sees a chance that I'm going to win. Otherwise, he was tired of beating his head against the wall. I mean, you know, when you're a good legislator who's truly trying to represent the people and you start getting beat up not only by the governor, but his water boys, it gets to the point where you say, why am I doing this? I can't win here. It's it's stress and you can't win when the group teams up against you. How about how about the legislators here just recently when they uh, re-upped the whole thing about uh, Arkansas work? And they mm-hmm. did so because they said, well, look, we got a work requirement now. It's getting better. There and, were a few. I did not I expect that it. that was going to pass. I really, I was so disappointed, specifically in a few legislators who I expected were going to uh, to not support it. Uh, and then they turned at the last minute. And you know as well as I do, that work requirement is ridiculous. It's, it's growing government. We have to have more people now. Who's going to oversee that? How are you going to keep up with these people and make sure they're working or that they're trying to get work? Mm-hmm. It's just it's just another waiver, another excuse to to keep dragging out something that is unavoidable. This this is not going. It is going to self implode. It can't. We cannot continue to sustain this program. It is a losing program for the state. It is a losing program for the people. And it, it, it's interesting to me that, that the governor is the only one in his, his administration that understands this, I mean, that, that doesn't get it. You've got the attorney general, Leslie Rutledge, who's joined attorney generals across this nation saying, we have got to end Obamacare and Arkansas works. That's our own attorney general, Republican. You've got our lieutenant governor, Tim Griffin, who says Arkansas works has got to end. Obamacare is wrong. And you've got our secretary of state. I mean, Ace is the lone man out, but Jan Morgan's a better fit. See, I would just fit in real nicely with that group. So what what is it that you as a candidate wants to do with if you're elected uh, the first thing that you'll do when you take over office dealing with uh, you know Arkansas works Well I don't get to deal with it other than I can try I can tell the legislature and free them up to represent the people for the first time in years uh, but what I would hope and what I want is to end it you know, Medicaid, we're better off with just Medicaid. And Senator Brian King has talked about that. We were better off. Those people that, you know, we don't want people to fall through the cracks, Dave. That's not that's not what we're trying to do here. I'm just saying that the government never had any business in health care to begin with. We have a lot of rights in America, but the right to free health care is not one of them. Medicaid is there for the people who can't afford health care that need that help. It's there. We're better off with that. And then let people, let free market enterprise work, let agencies compete, and let the people go out there and find the best deals for themselves. All right. Let's get a first break in. we got to do that. Jan Morgan is my guest. If you have a question, 8230965. 8230965. She wants to represent the Republican Party or governor. What do you think? You got questions for? You ask them here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. We're down to just about... Four minutes left here in this half hour. Let me ask you a national question real quick, and that Mm -hmm. is this omnibus that was signed into law. The president kind of flirted with the whole thing that he was going to veto it. Right. He did not. I was stunned that he didn't. How did you feel? I was disappointed, uh, like so many people were. And I can tell you it was just it, it sort of knocked the wind out of my sails. I sat there in astonishment and looked at my husband, we were sitting on the couch and I said, what, what now? 
mean, what, what do we do? Because it, there are millions and millions of people in America who feel like Donald Trump is our last hope. He represents the agenda that millions of people stepped up and said, this is what we want. And that border wall was a big part of that. And um, it was disappointing. But I have also learned never second guess this guy. You know, uh, sometimes when he does something that that people say, why would he do that? He turns around, there's an ulterior motive, and he has a better deal waiting in the wings. So I'm I'm hoping and holding on to uh, that possible uh, surprise in the end, that something else, he's going to do something that, that's going to turn well, that around. Well, I'm with you. I, I really mm-hmm. am with you. But I know as president, working with, and this is what's so important about having both houses, Mm-hmm. is that he can work with the leaders in the House and in the Senate. And right. that money that's been designated for certain areas doesn't necessarily have to go to those areas. Right. And he as we know, President it. Obama was able to redirect. So I'm thinking that that may be what President Trump is planning to do, uh, hoping mm-hmm. so. But I, I guess maybe the bottom line, I agree with you, that some of that may have just been, you know, he didn't want, he wanted to make sure the military, because he is about building up our military. Yes, and is. that is important. And people want that. Yep. The people of this country want that. Strong borders and building up our military. It's all a part of the security of our country. Uh, so, you know, maybe that's that's the reason that was his final you know, tipping point issue. All right. So I had somebody just text me. They were asking, you've mentioned uh, the lieutenant uh, governor, uh, the lieutenant governor mm-hmm. and the attorney general. Right. Have they thrown their hat behind your candidacy or are they going to? You know, I haven't asked either of them to. In fact, people are saying, well, Jan, you were the national spokesperson of Citizens for Trump. Is President Trump going to endorse you? You're on Fox Business Network. You're going to get any big Fox people to come. And I I thought about this long and hard. And I, my grandfather once told me, be careful who you hitch your trailer to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because he said you you attach to a truck that seems to be going the right direction. But if that truck veers off the road, you're going with it. And so I have decided to to attach my trailer to the people of this state. I know without a without a doubt that the people who have asked me to run thousands and thousands of the common people of this state, the good folks of this state, not the multimillionaires who are behind Asa. I'm talking about the folks of, of Arkansas. Uh, the, the agenda that I'm bringing to the table is theirs. And uh, I think that they're going to show up in big numbers on primary day. I think that there's going to be a big surprise. Is there, do you feel, is it palatable for you out on the campaign trail mm-hmm. that there's an energy and an excitement for your candidacy? Without a doubt. Oh, yeah. Everywhere we go. And here, here's some things, Dave, that, I mean, when is the last time you ever saw in a governor's race where the people bought their own billboards I mean, they're contacting our campaign and saying, we want to do a billboard for you. We know that campaign funds are, are small because the common folks are supporting this campaign. Mm-hmm. So, we, you know, people are going out there in Jonesboro area. We have, what, three billboards now in the Jonesboro area where citizens on their own have come together. They managed to get the billboards. They managed to get the vinyls. And all they asked us for was artwork. And we're seeing people show up. I was, we were on our way home from the northern part of the state driving down a little country road out in the middle of nowhere, Dave. And all of a sudden I see this truck, pickup truck stopped on the side of the road, and there was a big Jan Morgan for governor sign all across his tailgate. And I said, oh, my goodness, look at that. And we looked, and there was a, a guy getting out of his truck with Jan Morgan for governor signs walking up to a lady on her lawnmower. I said, turn this vehicle around. I'm going to go I'm gonna go talk to these folks. And I did. And this is the kind of thing we're seeing, people having their own hats made, their own T-shirts made, just to be able to show support. I think that uh, it's it, there's a whole different attitude about this election 
for the people and truly by the people. All right, quick break. Let's get to Fox News. Dow is up. What else is going on? All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Jan Morgan is our guest. She'll take your calls. If you want to call in, talk to her, 823-0965, 823-0965. We know there's a lot of you watching on Facebook, facebook.com slash Dave Ellswick Show. You can, uh, if you post on there, do me a favor, uh, Russ, if you would. Can you bring up my Facebook over there? And if you see anybody ask any questions in the comments, could you just jump in and and be part of the show and you can read the, the questions that they might have for uh, Jan Morgan. Can I finish on a, one of the questions you asked? You brought up the omnibus bill yes. before the break. I, yeah. I wanted to talk a little more about that, if you don't mind. Because no, go ahead. You remember, immigration is a huge issue. Yes, it, it is. It was in the campaign, and it yep. was in the omnibus bill. And that's what people wanted, that wall funded. They wanted ICE funded. Um, that is the same issue in our state. It was, it was, It's important to people of our state. And when our attorney general sided with attorney generals across this country and said, we want to prohibit sanctuary cities and sanctuary states in America, She's on the opposite side of our governor. There's another time, and she is on the same side that I am. You know, when our our Republican legislators tried to pass legislation that would prohibit sanctuary cities in this state and sanctuary college campuses in this state, our governor bucked both of those bills, said, no, we're not going to do that because we don't want these people to feel uncomfortable here. So that is that is in direct conflict with the rule of law, and uh, I disagree with him completely on that, and I have told the people of this state, I've promised the people of this state, that if I am governor, we will not have sanctuary cities. We will not have sanctuary college campuses. If you knowingly harbor people on your college campus illegally, you're going to lose your state funding. We're going to make sure that that bill passes. Uh, we're going to pull it back up. The legislators wanted it, and I think the people of this state want it. So we're for legal legal immigration. I support the legal pathway for people to come here and work. We have a legal pathway for people to come here and become productive citizens of our state. We like that. Well, I've always said that if you want to do something like that, change the immigration system to the way that you want to make it Mm -hmm. and then follow it. But don't let people who didn't want to follow the system in the first place come in illegally. And you're, and you're disrespecting the rule of law. And it's a very it's a dangerous precedent to set Dave, because if it's okay, you get to, we're starting to pick and choose now, which laws we're going to enforce, Mm -hmm. which ones we aren't. That's, that's not, that's not the way we're supposed to to lead. All right. We've got a caller. Dave is in Cabot. Dave, how are you? What's your question? Go ahead. What's your question? Well, uh, Ms. Morgan, I, I'll tell you, I have, uh, have spoken with the governor several times in years past uh, after he has lost several of his other elections. Mm-hmm. And one in particular time that we had a talk was regarding the governor's race when when Lieutenant Governor Winpaul Rockefeller got sick. He came into the airport and was laughing because the uh, Paul had gotten non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and I told him then the only way he'd be elected governor was to outlive his opponents, and that's the only way he got in there. And the proof is now being shown. Uh, he is not following the directives that he said he was going to do. Uh, and immigration is definitely one of them, and some of our monies are not being spent properly. Right. We have a spending problem in this state, and he has grown government spending by over $600 million since he's been in office. And he's had significant time to uh, make a dramatic reduction in the tax burden on the backs of the, off the backs of the people. And with a Republican trifecta, there's no excuse for, for him not having made significant strides. 
uh, on on lightening the tax burden. And, you know, he will tell people, and he is telling people on the campaign trail, that he has cut uh, the, the tax burden, the income tax, and the tax burden off the people by millions of dollars. But the truth is, he's playing a shell game. He's just, he has cut in some areas, and then he's redistributed those taxes in other areas, and actually raised taxes. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a shell game, and I think the people are, are not going to fall for it this time. I'm expecting that they are they're getting the truth now, and uh, this is going to be a tough election for him. Well, I, I think it's time for a change. I'll be very honest with you, and uh, looking forward to you know to to trying to follow some of these rules day in and day out for the same people, and quit you know quit all this him hawing around saying, well, this works for this person, and this works for this one. Well, you know, a lot of the a lot of the rules that we have in place, immigration being one of them, have got some pretty good rules and some pretty good backbone to them. If the politicians had backbone to follow them, well, um, just just remember though that our politicians uh, were trying to bring up uh, a sanctuary, prohibiting sanctuary cities in this state and sanctuary campuses. They did try, but yes. the governor stopped that. Yes, I remember that. Yes, mm-hmm. ma'am, uh, and uh, that's you know that's a point that. I would say a very few folks, percentage-wise, understand that in, here in this state of Arkansas, and it needs to be brought up again. Well, I'm bringing it up just everywhere I go. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Well, good luck to you. Thank you, sir. All right, Dave. Thank you for your call. Yeah, Representative uh, Smith up yes. in uh, Jonesboro, mm-hmm. he was on my show several times during the last general session talking about why he was doing what he was doing, dealing with college campuses because it was happening elsewhere exactly and uh, he thought something like that needed to be done if you're elected governor is that something you'll get with and absolutely and make sure legislation is constructed for it absolutely you know the the 72 percent of the people in this state voted for donald trump and the agenda that they sent and the message that they sent to the establishment end of the republican party uh, was that they're sick of politics as usual. They're sick of being promised, you know, and, and hearing politicians talk with conservative talk, and then once they're elected, uh, leading and legislating like Democrats. And the reason that's been happening is because of pressure from our governor's office, and uh, that's going to stop. And with me in the governor's seat, the legislators are finally going to be free to actually legislate and represent the people who elected them. And I think you're going to see some dramatic changes there. Jim, we had a a Facebook question. Uh, Somebody wanted to know if you could conceive under your leadership if they would ever do away with the Arkansas state income tax. You know, I would like to work toward that. Uh, You've got to look at some other issues, though, because usually in states where they have eliminated the state income tax, and we're surrounded by states that have no state income tax, uh, that means a higher property tax. Well, you've got to, you know, we're an agricultural state, and you start talking about property tax increases, farmers go ballistic. So you would have to look at a way to do that uh, without raising the property taxes. And I think that, that there are some other areas. And, and once again, you're not looking at a governor who's going to play a shell game and try to redistribute. I think that we can gradually wean the government off the backs of the citizens. It's not something you're going to do with one piece of legislation and do it overnight, you know, next year, no no uh, state income tax. But you can work toward that. And I certainly think that it's feasible. And uh, I think that working with Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin, he and I are double dose of fiscal conservatism and i'm going to bring him out of the attic <laughs> the governor's got him stuck off in a corner somewhere but uh tim and i will work well together and uh, he and i think along the same lines on taxes and i assure you that we're going to do everything that we can uh to to lighten that tax burden for the folks all right let's go back to uh, cabot and we've got a lot of listeners up there mason how are you your question for jan morgan hi miss jan my name's mason 
Hi, Mason. Um, I have a question. I am a young adult living in central Arkansas, mm -hmm. and I work for a local company, um, a local restaurant, and I've heard a lot about what the governor is doing uh, to bring jobs to the state of Arkansas. Um, I've seen him uh, traveling to different countries, trying to get companies to come to our state. Um, I'm very interested in what you are going to do for the state of Arkansas in bringing jobs and bringing revenue to our state and uh, helping grow local companies here in the state of Arkansas. Good question. Uh, the governor and I are polar opposites on how you grow the economy. Uh, my position is government does not create jobs. Businesses create jobs. The government needs to get out of the way. I do not believe in going over to China, for example, and offering our state on a silver platter to communist billionaires, a place where they've just burned 5,000 Christian churches, and offering them, our, our state, millions of dollars to come here. If we're going to get involved in, in helping to uh, grow businesses in this state, if the government's going to actually start handing out financial incentives, we ought to be handling those to Arkansas entrepreneurs. I just, I don't see... You know, the only reason I would ever be going to China would be trying to help our farmers <laughs> doing some trade deals. Right. But I'm not I'm not looking to to help uh, communist billionaires come here and, and uh, start up businesses. We don't need to do that. The best thing to do is for the government to get out of the way. You know, one of the problems we have here is we don't have economic freedom. You can't have economic growth without first having economic freedom. Regulatory burdens are killing our businesses in this state. As I've traveled around the state and I've talked to manufacturers, all different kinds of businesses, they're telling me, that the regulatory burdens are suffocating them. I talked to a convenience store owner who owns a chain in, in Arkansas and Louisiana, and he tells me, he says, Jan, I'm going to have to close my Arkansas chain because right out of this Republican trifecta legislative uh, body with the Republican governor, we have taxes that are ridiculous, like the candy tax. We're having to turn over the packages, the back of every single package of candy in our convenience stores, and look at the ingredients on the back to determine how it has to be taxed now because of this candy tax that happened under ACES administration. And he said, that is time consuming. No, the legislature didn't give us a list and say, these candies are taxed at this much. It was this at this much. And if it has these ingredients, you have to tax it at this different rate. And he said, then if you have a mixed bag of candy that has some of the first kind and some of the second kind, and they're taxed at different rates, what are you supposed to do about that? He said, this is insane that this kind of government excessive uh, control of my private business has happened under Republican leadership. We're going we're gonna to deregulate. We're going to go there and start instantly. Remember what President Trump did? What's the first thing he did that stimulated the economy? He, he had a stack, a huge stack of regulatory burdens, and he said, slash, cut. You know, you get out of the way of the businesses. The businesses will grow and the economy will grow. That's the way you stimulate the economy and bring businesses here. And you help businesses that are already established here who want to expand. I've talked to businesses who said that it's more, <laughs> it'd be easier just to close down and move to another state than it would be to get money and get assistance from our own state government. So we make it harder for Arkansas entrepreneurs to get, to get some help from our state government than it is, you know, if you are uh, over in China and you're a billionaire and the state's offering you all this money. Uh, another area that, that the governor and I disagree on re regarding growing jobs uh, He's got this governor's discretionary fund, which I, I think it ought to be eliminated because he's using it to pick and choose winners and losers among the private sector. 
He gave $950,000 to Taekwondo and Associates. He gave two over $2 million to Ben E. Keith. I mean, who, how do you get to be on the governor's list of businesses that gets uh, millions of dollars to, to grow your business? Just hand it to you. That's, I think that uh, that money was originally intended to be used for rural fire departments and counties and cities when suddenly they had to buy new voting machines and didn't have the money or the, the fire departments needed a new fire truck and didn't have the money. I think that was the original purpose for that. But there's no legislative oversight and it opens the door for corruption and cronyism. And I don't like that. So uh, to answer your question, basically, my view is get government out of the way and the economy will grow itself. Free market enterprise is a wonderful thing as long as the government stays out of it. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Yes, Thank sir. you, Mason. Appreciate your call. We got to get one more break in. Let's do that. We'll come back, have one more segment with Jan Morgan here on the Dave Ellswick Show. A couple of areas I want to talk to her about. I want to talk a little bit about roads. And I want to talk to her a little bit about guns. That's all happening on the Dave Ellswick Show. Back with you, final segment with Jan Morgan on the Dave Ellswick Show. Andy is our next caller from Little Rock. Wants to talk about special elections. Hi, Andy. How are you? Your question for Jan Morgan. Yes, um, my question is on special elections. I know a lot of local municipalities and counties have a thing uh, where if they want something passed, predominantly a certain tax, they'll run a special election and they'll have it on a odd time. Mm-hmm. And they'll have the exact same request for tax over and over half a dozen times until they finally get it through. I was wondering if there's a way we might could look into that to see if something really would qualify for a special election or not. All right. I'm going to let you go and we'll let her answer. Jan? You know, this is where the people in those counties and those cities need to hold their elected officials accountable. And you have the power. I, I don't know why we start thinking that these people rule over us, whether it's in state government or city government or county government. These people work for you. If you don't like what they're doing and you think they're they're uh, pulling the wool over your eyes or trying to do things that uh, they shouldn't be doing, there's a simple answer to that. You get busy, you get out there, and you campaign for the right people, and you replace them. You replace the bad guys. That, that's how you solve that problem. Okay. Do you, you think that the, the state government plays any role in that at all? You know, I, here we go. I am not the candidate who wants to expand government, period. I I really want less state government and Little Rock politicians out of our lives. That's just the government is not the solution to every problem, Dave. The government is the problem in most cases. Okay, but here's the problem is that the the state government got involved mm -hmm, already. mm -hmm, Right. Do you get involved? But that's because I'm not in the governor's seat. Well, I'm saying, but do you get involved, undo what they've done, and then tell the local a voter take care of it locally i do understand i do understand their pain and their grief in that respect and i'm willing to look at it okay that's okay. that's good that's that's a fine answer all right let's talk about roads okay the way we do roads right now is they divide the state up mm-hmm. into like six areas and then everybody and believe me, i've gets, been all over those six yeah, areas everybody gets x amount of dollars uh, <laughs> for their roads uh, uh isn't it time to put the money where the cars are at uh, it's time to put the money back into our roads, period. You know, and uh, by the way, the governor doesn't want to talk about this right now at campaign time, but he is planning to come at the people next year with a $217 million gas tax hike to pay for roads. We've already had a tax increase to pay for roads and infrastructure, and, and that is supposed to be one of our priorities. And somehow, if you drive around this state, you know, we, we no longer have potholes. We have sinkholes in our highways, and it, it is it has become dangerous. Um 
in so many areas. I've seen pictures. People have been sending me pictures, and, of course, I've seen them uh, firsthand as well. So. Have, you, have you seen legislation for this tax cut, This tax that he wants? Uh, the $217 million yeah. dollar gas tax yeah. hike, yeah. It, it, I mean, I know the one that Douglas ran, mm-hmm, but, right. I mean, is that what you're referring mm-hmm. to? Okay. He'll, yeah. You think he'll bring it back at the general uh, he, session? He knows he's got to have money for it, and where is he going to get the money? Okay. Ask him. We've got to address the roads issue. Where is the money? All right. So, but I mean, he wants it, to put it, he doesn't want, he wants to put it in the form of an initiative and let the voters vote on it. That way, apparently it doesn't, he doesn't have to take the blame for it. It's, well, the voters approve this, but you know, and it'll be interesting to see what kind of carefully crafted language that the voters are, are looking at there um, when that's put before the people. I'm I, hoping the people will see beyond that. This is, I've asked him this question as well. Is it time mm-hmm. to revamp the way we mm-hmm. determine where we're going to put the money for roads? Mm-hmm. You think so? I, I absolutely do. Okay. It should be a priority. All right. All right. Do it through through the governor leading the legislature to do that? I think that, uh, yes. But the gas tax hike is not the solution. The people of this state are not going to support more taxes. We don't have a revenue problem in Arkansas. We oh, have I a spending problem. So. You know, it, we should be able to pay for our roads without going for, before the people again and asking them for more money, Dave. Well, I agree. That's okay, why I'm saying well, we need we, to rechange you know, the, the way fact we that, put the money The fact that we have misspent the money during this administration is, is not the fault of the people. Uh, you know, when you don't, when your priorities are not in order, that's not the fault of the people. And so the people shouldn't have to pay for that now in the form of a gas tax hike. Well, I agree with you. I'm not okay. for a gas tax hike. <laughs> I'm for changing the way... That they spend that the money spend on the, the roads, money. and you exactly. got plenty of money to take mm-hmm. care of the roads. Mm-hmm. We don't do. keep building new roads. Let's build, expand some, and keep the other ones mm-hmm. in good in good shape. We're in agreement there. Okay. All right. I, I just I I, do, I wanted to make sure that you understood what I was saying. I do. I have. It. I'm not I got disagreeing it. with you because I, I don't want to see a tax increase in any way, shape, or form. We can't handle it, Dave. Is People it possible? Taxed they death. say that I'm crazy. I said that if I was ever elected governor, first thing that I would do is cut government by 10% across the board and be done with it. Just straight across the board, yep. everything. Yep. Yeah, Every department, I, I cut think 10%. We, well, I think we could start there. Actually, I think that there, there's more. There's okay. plenty more to cut. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. I just didn't want to get the guy that I well, said. You know, the it, governor follows me. His people follow it. me around and videotape my speeches. And now they, I've been saying for eight months, we've got too many regulatory boards and commissions. And suddenly he came out with a press conference last week. Oh, we're going to cut the regulatory boards and commissions by 50%. You know what you need it's to like, do when they show up <laughs> filming it? Yes. Send sandwiches and coffee over to them. There you go. Whatever. Right. Appreciate <laughs> you. Thanks, Jan, Dave. it's always nice to have you on. We'll do it again here in the next couple of weeks because yes, we're getting close. To May, yes, and really? everybody's going to have to May make 22nd. a decision. When's the early voting start again? The seventh. May seventh. Yes. May seventh. Okay, so we'll have Fox News here in just a moment. When we come back, Jan Moore going to be back in the next couple of weeks. I'll set that up before she leaves today, and we'll get to it. I need to tell you again this hour that we are changing our address. Our address has been for the last three years ninety six five FM, the answer. Uh, we're going to, a week from today, going to be at 101.1 FM, The Answer. And it's going to have better coverage, uh, longer coverage, and uh, be brighter and a bigger sound than it has ever been. So you'll be able to hear us wherever uh, you are going north up to probably Moralton. 
So we'll be looking uh, for all of our fans up in Conway to be all happy and, and smiling whenever I run into them uh, over in the Conway area and the Greenbrier area and the environs in that area. 101.1 FM, the answer beginning on Monday a week. I'll be back with Robert Steinbach. And let me remind you, I'm going to get a politician to carry a piece of legislation for me that says no college or university or any of the uh, other uh, schools that we have in this state can do anything to strip a student or teacher or anybody's right to free speech. We've got too much of that going on. That needs to stop. I'll be back with you here in about 30 seconds. All right, so we had about 1,000 people on uh, Facebook Live watching Jan Morgan answer the questions and uh, talk. She'll be back on with us on Wednesday, April 11th at 5 p.m. Don't forget that on Thursday at uh, 2 o'clock and then a repeat at 5 o'clock, J.R. Davis will be on with us to talk with us uh, from the governor's office. We hope that the governor will join up with us again sometime before, uh, was it May 17th? Is that election day in May? May 7th is early voting. So it's got to be in that area, that general area. I don't have my calendar right in front of me. All right. Robert is here with us. Let me get him up. Robert. Yes, sir. Mr. Steinbach. Let me say disclaimer, Mr. Steinbach's, uh, you know, opinions are his and his alone and not necessarily those of the Bowen school of law or of the university of Arkansas, little rock. All right. So that's taken care of. Let me just ask you off I did tell you I was going to ask you this question. What did you think of the weekend and the kids marching and the speeches that were given? I I, I watched a bunch of it. I watched a bunch of the commentary thereafter. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm glad that young people have an opportunity to talk, to share their views, to express their feelings. I know they're going through many of them, particularly a number of the speakers suffered the the grief from being involved in this awful, awful tragedy in Parkland. Um, and that, so with all that said, it's all the disclaimers that are true and necessary. Uh, I don't agree with most of what they have to say. Sounded like little and, brown shirts to me, didn't they, to you? Yeah, look, it's the underlying viewpoints that they are mostly espousing are this are this sort of extreme leftist viewpoint. And I, for one, and I'm not alone, but I, for one, am not going to shy away from saying the substance of what they're saying is all wet or largely wet. I'm not saying, but uh, there may have squeaked by a couple of uh, salient points. But over overall, no, they're just anti-Second Amendment, anti-gun, and I can appreciate some of the emotion behind it, mind you. But, of course, when we make policy, uh, policy is not made on emotion. It's made on logic. Uh, and I believe that the logic supports having a robust Second Amendment and having people who are able and entitled to defend themselves. And as we talked about many times on your show before, these rights weren't created by the Constitution. They are recognized 
by the Constitution. You're Dave Ellswick, whether or not a piece of paper says you're Dave Ellswick. If right. a piece of paper says it, it recognizes you're Dave Ellswick. We have, constant, we have inherent rights that are recognized in the Constitution, and one of them is the inherent right to self-defense, uh, which is embodied by the ability to bear arms. So uh, I, I simply disagree largely with what they had to say. All right. But look, go ahead. Is it, here's what worries me, is that I hear these kids and it's like listening to talking points that they've been fed. Now they've ever, they've either been fed that as they've been educated in uh, in our public school system, or some of these groups that are be were behind this march because this march was not put on by kids. The kids mm-hmm. didn't put it all together. Bloomberg was heavily mm-hmm. involved in it, and other anti-gun groups were heavily involved in it, and celebrities like. George Clooney were heavily involved in it. So it wasn't really their, uh, their decision. They were just following the lead, but I was, I was really worried about listening to the narrative that I was hearing from these kids. Uh, Well, look, I think you raise an important point and that is how much of this is truly grassroots driven by them and how much is being orchestrated by other groups and are to some extent these kids and students being somewhat exploited uh, by the anti-gun lobby yes and i certainly think some of that's going on yes now with that said i i don't think that these uh students are jellyfish so I think they do have some views, and we heard one uh, student uh, from this sort of core group who's not included in many of the photographs, et cetera, of the core group because he's conservative and he supports Second Amendment rights, and he's been on alternative venues. So I think that the views espoused by the students probably – reflect where they generally are. I think you're right. Students, uh, young students are more easily coaxed and directed by teachers and parents, etc. And so we have to be on guard for that, uh, that, the, that they're not being essentially exploited. But I think those espousing the leftist views are probably more left of center, and those espousing the conservative views are equally inherently slightly more or somewhat more right of center. Uh, But I think it's a fair point to highlight uh, that we should be at least cautious to think that there aren't lobbying groups involved in the process. Now, equally, lobbying groups are entitled to their own viewpoints and to to express their views. The only question is whether or not they're trying to co-opt the sympathy that appropriately flows to these students uh, that these lobbying groups themselves are not entitled to, uh, albeit they are certainly free to share their policy positions as they've done so for years and years. All right. So, cause I, I look at the producer for uh, the Bill Maher show was one mm-hmm. of the, uh, one of the big people behind this getting uh, other celebrities involved in this, working with the uh, with 42 West, the agency 
That's a full-service uh, PR firm in New York and L.A. that represents major celebrities like George Clooney. And and I just go through this. Bloomberg was in on it. Mm-hmm. I, I question the people, for instance, 17 Magazine's editor compared this uh, march, which is about 200,000 students is what it was, uh, mm-hmm. that somebody else paid their way to get to Washington, D.C., that they that this was like Vietnam all over again. It's not even no. close, Robert. No, 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 no. Look, everybody wants their movement to be the most important movement of the day if they are involved in some sort of movement, and they want to. It's marketing, right? As you say, one right. of the, at least one of these groups is literally a marketing group. And so, oh, we're the best and the brightest and the newest, and we'll get the ring out of your collar and the stain out of your shirt. Um, so, yes, there's a lot of this uh, phony baloney marketing going on, and it's not necessary. And I think, frankly, uh, to some people like me, it detracts because it becomes um, obvious what's going on. But your underlying point, which is critical, is transparency. And what have you and I talked it's more about than perhaps anything else, maybe equal to free speech, is transparency. Yeah. Right. I'm the guy that works on the Freedom of Information Act. But that's one tool. It's simply a tool for the broader goal of transparency. And so I believe in transparency uh, all across the political spectrum. And when we have these marches taking place, I think it's fair to ask for transparency as to who's behind them, who's driving them, who's funding them. And it's not one person or one group. It's probably many. But it's fair to ask about that and to be informed about that. And so that's exactly what you're doing, and you're right to do it. Because otherwise, uh, uh, we risk, risk the potential of manipulation. So when it's transparent, there's no manipulation. Everybody knows what's going on. These people are for gun restrictions and they're lobbying behind the scenes for these marches. Okay. And we know, and now we know if we know about it. Okay. Yeah. No think, problem. think about this, Robert, if yes, sir. these groups that are doing it, who are very anti-gun, all right, mm-hmm. uh, that right. are, that were putting up the money and, and whatnot. Right. Think right. about if the NRA did the exact same thing, That's right. how the media would attack that as being, it's not true. It's false. It's a, you know, it, it, it's a false narrative, et cetera, et cetera. No doubt. And the media would be all on top of that. You know what they would call it? They'd call it NRA collusion. Mm-hmm. That's what they would call it, collusion. Because whenever anybody operates with another group, uh, they call it collusion because they get this feeling that, oh, somehow that's nefarious, that's illegal, that's dangerous, that's wrong. Uh, and, of course, collusion uh, other than some narrow context, means working together. Uh, and so uh, we want to know about it. We want it to be exposed. We want it to be transparent. Yes, if if the Russians were actually colluding with folks on the Trump team, meaning working behind the scenes directly, hand-in-hand, knowingly, we would want to know that as well, yes, uh, because we want transparency. And we want to know here who's working behind the scenes. But you are 100 percent right that given the leftward bend of the mainstream media, there's no doubt 
that if there were a march that was uh, funded and or organized in some part alone by the NRA, and it wasn't openly disclosed initially for some reason, the mainstream media, uh, that is the leftist media, would be all over it, screaming collusion, wrongdoing. Uh, and so there is a, a significant level of hypocrisy in that regard going on here. The good news is I think there's now been, with people like you, uh, a fair amount of discussion as to who was behind partially these marches. I'm not trying – I want to be clear. I'm not trying to take away from the students who actually got out there and marched, who were interested in marching for whatever reason, like we discussed – that, yes, they are part of it, and they're not completely 100 uh, percent controlled by these other groups, uh, but we should also know about the other groups as well. That's just transparency. That's just openness. And then we can have a free and fair debate and come back to our whole point about the First Amendment. You want to talk about it? Let's talk about it. Let's actually talk about the facts. Let's not call people names. Not, let's not call the NRA representative a murderer and all the other bad names that they called her uh during that cnn debate let's have a free and fair and open debate i get it by the way that leftists disagree with us on guns and my response to them is that's okay like i have no problem if a leftist says i don't like the second amendment i want to repeal it and i don't like guns Uh, i i dislike the underlying policy but that they believe it, they're entitled to believe it. Sure. They're entitled to have, right? That's yep. the point. And we can have a debate. So far, knock on wood, the, the Second Amendment has survived 200 plus years, and the right to bear arms uh, that, that predates that is enshrined in the Constitution. And we, uh, with people like the various legislators that we have, Charlie Collins, of course, comes to mind, uh, who has made sure that our uh, right to bear arms. Uh, is protected. That's important to people like us. It's not important to other people. So be it. That's democracy. All right. Robert Steinbach is our guest. He'll be with us for the hour. He does this every Monday. We'll be back to talk with him in just a moment. Take a break for just a second. Calm down your uh, tonsils there uh, and your voice box, Robert, and we'll get back to you here after this break. Don't forget about Horton's orthotics and prosthetics. Uh, I want to talk to you about why I believe they've become one of the best orthotics and prosthetic businesses here in central Arkansas. And it's because number one, they're very professional. Number two, they're highly trained. And number three, and this is one that, uh, you know, has to be, uh, a part of your business that becomes part of all the people that work in your business and, that is true empathy for your customer. In other words, you know, they, they may, you know, they may be able to make the best prosthetics and orthotics that's out there. They may have the, the greatest education of any people that work for any group like this, but if they don't have empathy, if they can't put themselves in their customer's place, if they don't feel like they have to help their customer reach the greatest success of being able to have mobility and, and use of the limb that they're working with, then they're bound to fail. 
and Hortons hasn't failed because their folks that work there, Mike and Chris and, and their father and their sister, they all want their customers to succeed 100%. So if you find yourself in needing an orthotic, prosthetic, you know, uh, something to help you, you're a lady, you've had, you know, your breasts removed because of breast cancer, you're, uh, you're a lady that needs a prosthetic. If you're a guy who needs a prosthetic, these are the people to see. Uh, when you call them and make your appointment to come in, make sure that when you come in, you got your driver's license, your uh, medical insurance card, and from your doctor, a piece of paper that says what they need to be treating. Uh, 5220 West 12th Street in Little Rock, and the number is 501 663-2908. That is Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics. All right, we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Robert Steinbach is our guest. Robert joins me every Monday, typically during the uh, 5 o'clock hour, or, you know, just to make sure you know about this, that happens every once in a while. He's not at 5. We might move him to 3 o'clock because I... There's a, a guest that I can't get them on at, at any other time. A lot of movement going on uh, at the, the U of A, Robert, about what those lawyers are trying to do up there. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. Got, it's gotten kind of quiet about that. We've got about two and a half minutes here. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? Well, this week in uh, Monticello, uh, the board is going to be meeting, and apparently on the agenda is a revision to these tenure-slash-academic freedom rules. And that's all a bunch of mumbo-jumbo language to basically say whether or not you want your children, the students uh, who attend the University of Arkansas schools, to have professors who have full freedom to express their views or they feel constrained and are constrained uh, by uh, administrators in what they can say. And remember, academia overwhelmingly across this country uh, is leftist. So if professors are restrained in what they can say, guess what is being restricted? Conservative speech. And so this rule that is on the plate to be decided at Monticello, and it's open to the public. I hope your listeners, if they have a chance to drive down, I wonder if it's a coincidence that it's not being held in Little Rock. But in any event, uh, if they have a chance to drive down to Monticello to help support the ability of conservatives in academia to speak the truth, truth to power and truth to students and truth to everyone, uh, that they have a chance to go. But in any event, that's what's happening. There is a vote on the ability of, amongst others, but in this context, importantly, conservatives to speak out and be truthful in academic debate. I uh, got a answer back from the state representative of Minnesota. I expect that I'll see a copy of that bill here within the next couple of weeks. She's wanting to run okay. it past some more people before uh, she sends it to me, she says there'll be probably a couple of tweaks and she thinks I should take a look at it and uh, I can either keep them or take them, you know, just you know what uh, I think. With with your influence, Dave, and I mean this sincerely, I think there are are going to be several state senators and legislators, uh, representatives, I should say, 
who are going to want to jointly introduce this type of bill come the next regular session. And I would expect, I don't know, but I would expect that Robert, the, uh, Robert I need you yeah. to hold your thoughts. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll Fox, do it. Fox News is next here on the Dave Ellswick Show. So Robert Steinbach is our guest here on the Dave Ellswick Show. He is with us every Monday at the 5 o'clock hour, except once in a while we got somebody else that comes in, like Jan Morgan or somebody like that. And uh, she only can do 5 o'clock at that time, maybe. And we say, hey, Robert, do you mind moving to 3 o'clock that day? And typically, if I give him enough time, he can say, no problem, Dave. We'll do it at 3 o'clock. But we like to do it at this time because I think it's imperative that you hear what Robert's saying to me about several of these uh, different uh, questions that I I ask him. You hear me say uh, what I believe, but I think it's important to hear somebody from the legal side and who has that kind of a mind to hear what they have to say about an issue. For instance, were you disappointed that the president did not veto the omnibus, uh, omnibus bill as I was? I was actually, yes. Uh, I have always been conservative economically, and there's just too much spending. And so I was. Now, I'm not in the weeds on all of the intricacies, but I can see the sum total. And at some point, you have to say, I don't care how good each individual idea is. We can't spend our way to success. And so I was disappointed. Uh, he seemed torn. Uh, I, I can appreciate that. But that notwithstanding, uh, I do not believe that this was a, um, an omnibus that should have passed, that I would have supported passing. Let's put it that way, that I did support passing. I did not. Uh, it, it's too much. We've got to cut back. And when we criticize the liberals for doing it, we are correct. And when we criticize the, the Republicans for doing it, we're equally correct. There's, you just can't keep spending uh, because you believe each idea is a good idea because the money doesn't grow on trees. Yeah. You know, I'm going to have uh, Congressman French Hill on, on, uh, on uh, Wednesday at five o'clock. And, and I want to talk to him about this. I'm trying to get uh, Congressman Westerman on because he voted against it. Mm -hmm. Congressman mm -hmm. Hill voted for it. I like mm -hmm. to hear from both of them and hear mm -hmm. what, what they're, why they made the decisions uh, that they they made because i agree with you if i'm going to look at uh, for instance barack obama and talk about his spending like a drunk or a drunken sailor and with that i say all due uh respect to drunken sailors uh <laughs> the, the bottom line is is that uh you're right it was too much i mean are the republicans that weak that they can't stand up to the democrats at all yeah, and I don't know what the politics were uh, behind it. I wasn't following it, unfortunately, so closely. But like, like we just discussed, you, you, at some point you got to say uh, it's not an issue about shutting down government. Apparently this has become the big fear is that whoever uh, is the last person to touch the ball is going to get blamed for shutting down the government. I'm not looking to shut down the government or not shut down the government, but I'm not also looking to support uh, increasing our spending so much, so often, it's it's too much. And I am a huge supporter of French Hill. I really am. Uh, so uh, I, I welcome him on, and we may just have a disagreement on this omnibus. 
but uh, that's not going to change my um, support for him because I think he's fantastic uh, and he, he's just great for our community. But with that said, no, I do. I did not support it. I don't support it. Uh, it's, we, we, we've got to draw some lines on our spending. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering, and uh, Jan Morgan was on the hour before you today, uh, mm-hmm. Robert, and I was talking to her about the omnibus. You know, just because they sign that budget does not necessarily mean that the president is going to release the money to go to the agencies that that bill says. There's there's uh, there's still a lot of work that the the president can do with the House and the Senate to redirect money to other places when it was said to be directed someplace else. And I, I'm wondering, yes, yes, I'm wondering if that might happen. Well, uh, I think that's right, and it, and it might happen. But with that said, uh, it's one of those avenues that I don't put a lot of weight in on cutting back spending at any point. It has nothing to do with uh, President Trump versus any other president. Uh, when money is authorized, it's very easy for it to be spent, and so. Uh, I just don't think that's going to be our saving grace in the long run for cutting government spending. If we're going to cut government spending, we have to reduce the amount of spending that the government authorizes itself to spend and then take it from there. So I'm hopeful, like you suggest, that that could act as some method to curtail uh, some of the spending, but I'm not particularly sanguine that it's going to be significant. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. You know, I, mm-hmm. you know, I just, uh, I don't get it. I can't figure it out, uh, why they did what they did. So I'm going to ha- get Westerman on and get uh French Hill on and, uh, ask him the questions. Why, why they vote against and why they voted for and, and, and see which one uh, makes the most sense to me. Look, to be fair, I think, it, I don't think it's a, easy thing to do, right? Because these omnibus, which just means a, a, a garbage truck filled of expenditures, right? Yep. Uh, bills uh, have a whole bunch of good stuff and a whole bunch of lousy stuff. And then each congressman and senator has to say, well, what am I, what's more important to me, holding back the bad or moving forward with the good? Uh, and that's the real challenge. So I don't uh, suggest that it's so easy to walk in there and vote no on this thing. Uh, but that I'm not saying I wouldn't. I'm just saying I, I get the challenge that's involved. That is, you have all these programs, you're funding the military, right? You're giving pay raises to the military, uh, doing all sorts of good programs to undo many of the mistakes that took place during the Obama era. Uh, and so those are all good. And you need a vehicle like this to move those ideas forward, but of course, attached to this vehicle are a bunch of suckerfish uh, leaching the nutrients out of the bill, stealing the money of hard-paying taxpayers uh, uh, or hard-working taxpayers. Uh, hard-paying too, right? Um, mm-hmm. So that's the challenge, uh, and it's not easy. But in the end. All congressmen, senators, the president have to give a yay or an A. That's how it works. And so you have to do all that balancing 
behind the scenes, in your head, whatever the, the case may be. And in the end, it's either sums up or sums down. And ultimately, I believe, from the, from the sidelines, I believe I would have voted uh, thumbs down because I think enough is enough on the spending. All right. So, Robert, we got a uh, uh, an email in from a listener. Uh-huh. It says, Dave, you say you want an amendment that bans penalizing people for free speech. I think we need one banning safe spaces on college campuses uh-huh. as unconstitutional, uh-huh. at least on state-funded campuses. Well, that's what we're talking about. Things like it's a related safe point. spaces. That's right. Yeah. It's, That's right. Now, it depends what we mean by safe space. It's a great question, by the way. So if safe space means certain classrooms and public environs on the campus. You can't say something that somebody else happens not to like. That is unconstitutional, and we do need legislation nonetheless uh, to make sure it doesn't take place, because as we've discussed before, notwithstanding both the U.S. and Arkansas Constitution and the state constitutions across this country, we see universities across the country trying to interfere with free speech. And so to augment uh, the Constitution, uh, we actually need to enact, uh, I don't know about need, but, well, no, I think it's fair to say we need to enact some laws uh, because the Constitution apparently is not pushing back enough against these attacks on free speech. Now, if, and the alternative, by safe space, you mean some students want to get together in a private group in their dorm room or their one of those, uh, you know, the rooms, the joint rooms that are available for meetings of any group. And they want to say this group is only for this purpose. Fine. Have at it. That's a private meeting. You can do whatever you want at the private meeting. But in public debate, public spaces, <clears throat> public fora across universities across this country, we need legislation to ensure that they are not. Uh, people are not prevented from speaking under the guise of safe space, under the guise of hate speech, which, as you and I discussed last week, is largely speech that leftists hate, yep. uh, 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 and under the guise of of um, being offended. Or the delicate daisies are, 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 can't have their ears hurt because they're being offended. So none of those are legitimate reasons to interfere with the freedom of the press, and the freedom of speech found in the Constitution and the similar rights found in the Arkansas Constitution. All right, we got to get a break in, final break for this hour and for today on the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll be back to finish up a segment with uh, Robert Steinbach for the show. And uh, I couldn't go the whole show today without talking about Stormy Daniels. So we'll do that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget that uh, we're going to get quite a bit of rain uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, and Thursday, somewhere between uh, three and five inches is what I'm hearing. Uh, depends exactly where in the listening area you are. But uh, if you get that kind of rain and you start getting a leak in your roof, the water that can get into your house can cause extreme damages. soon as you see water coming in your house, you call PI Roofing. You can get a hold of them at 501-687-6246. And they're going to come out and they're going to stop the water from getting into your home, tarp up your uh, roof, and then set up a date that they can come back, inspect it, tell you about repairing it, what needs to be done. On top of that now, though, Joel Johnson has 
put another wrinkle into the PI roofing lexicon, and it's called interior uh, repair. Not roofing repair, but doing interior painting and drywall repair, getting exterior painting done or carpentry work, uh, working on your insulation, working on your ventilation. All of those things now uh, can be done through one company, and it's called PI Roofing and Home Solutions. So if you have a problem with your roof, call 501-687-6246 or go to piroofing.com or just Google PI Roofing and they'll take great care of you. Before we go to the break, let me remind you again that a week from today, 96.5 FM will no longer exist. We will move our shows from 96.5 FM, the answer to 101.1 FM, the answer, more power, more clarity, more coverage coming your way next Monday. Back for the final segment of the Dave Ellswick show. Interesting interview last night on 60 minutes, or at least that's what I've heard. I didn't watch it. And uh, that's with Stormy Daniels, the porn star who says a decade ago, she had a consensual uh, sexual encounter with Donald Trump, then was paid $130,000 to stay quiet, and then was intimidated when she decided not to, and yada, 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 yada. So uh, what do you think about this uh, uh, particular story, uh, uh, Robert? Well, as, as salacious as it uh, might be, I must concede that I haven't followed it too closely. It's a kind of stories on either side of the aisle that generally don't particularly interest me. Um, now, uh, people, they have all their sort of views on these things. They're entitled to them. And uh, when people say, I wouldn't vote for somebody who did X or I would vote for somebody who did Y or whatever, the beauty about democracy is you can decide whatever reason is important to you. And so when people, and I'm not trying to pivot here, but when people like Hillary Clinton uh, criticized the electorate again, Recently, in India, after she gave her deplorable comments, basically repeating her deplorable comments, saying, oh, the people have voted against me, they don't want black people to vote, or people of color to do this, or women to do that, and the women that voted for Trump were being directed by their bosses and their husbands, all of these attacks on voters, largely untrue, by the way, those statements that I just uh, mocked of hers are largely untrue. but the thing about democracy is the person seeking to be elected doesn't get to choose what the voter finds important. The voter is still imbued with that authority. And so uh, for me, these stories are not particularly important. But if there are people out there to whom it is, now, ironically, the Democrats seem to be very interested in it, uh, these types of stories when they weren't years ago. Uh, regarding uh, Bill Clinton, but if they claim to be interested in in it now, 
knock yourself out. You're entitled to be interested in whatever you want when it comes to making a decision on voting. That's the beauty of democracy. I'm not interested in it, in it and I'm not interested in uh, people like Hillary Clinton who decides to criticize uh, voters for how voters choose to live their lives and what issues voters themselves decide are important. That's it. So this makes for good uh, um, leftist media uh, puffery. And I heard that the interview was largely uneventful, uh, but there's a lot of um, uh, hype going on with it, right? Oh, they yeah. good ratings out of this kind of stuff. Yeah, they, they make, that's, that's what they do it for, is ratings. That's right. They're making money off of it. And, you know, it's a business, so whatever, but I ain't buying what they're selling. So uh, if there are enough people buying it, then I guess they'll continue. But it's it's just not of significant interest to me. All right. So I always like to leave an interview with you with a big story. So I have it for you. Are you ready? Yes, sir. I'm this is out of New Orleans. Science has finally led us to one of the greatest innovations of humankind. Ice cream that doesn't melt on a hot day. <laughs> the secret. Well, they, now here's the secret. I'm listening. According to this new study is banana plant waste. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Not only are researchers saying their new concoction lasts longer, but it's creamier and potentially even healthier than your typical frozen treat. They've been uh, keeping ice cream from melting. It's been a mystery. That's eluded research teams from around the world for years. But just last year, Japanese scientists developed a melt-resistant ice cream using polyphenol compounds from strawberries, but never before has a compound been found to improve the creamy, uh, creaminess and texture of low-fat ice cream as well. So, go to bed tonight, Robert. And know that soon at your supermarket, you'll be able to buy melt-proof ice cream. Well, Dave, when they come up with melt-proof, no-fat, no-sugar ice cream, the person who invents <laughs> that should get the Nobel Peace Prize because that will save the world. Mark my words today on the Dave Ellswick Show. That will save the world. You're not, they're going to give a product to us that won't leave your hands sticky and you won't have to stain your paint, your pants as well. Exactly. That's not bad. That's not bad. Exactly. All right. We'll get together again, Robert. I appreciate you. Everybody remember Robert Steinbach, a legal professor at Bowen school of law. His opinions are his and his alone and are not necessarily those at Bowen school of law or UALR, except that. Slow melting ice cream is probably a good thing, according to the University of Arkansas Little Rock as well. Probably. God bless my <laughs> We'll talk to you later. All right. Robert Steinbach here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, tomorrow, power panel's going to be in. Always fun to have them here. A lot of things to talk about. Uh, on uh, 5 o'clock, the Bible guys will be here. They'll answer questions. They're going to talk about Passover tomorrow. You know, uh, we celebrate Easter uh, coming Sunday. But what about this Passover thing? Why aren't we celebrating uh, Passover? Could be that uh, the answer you'll hear from the Bible guys will uh, completely 
um, kind of stun you, may stun you, to be honest with you. So uh, you'll want to be here tomorrow, hear what they have to say about that. As I've been saying all day today, and I want to tell you again before I'm leaving today, this Monday is the last Monday uh, that will be at 96.5 FM, The Answer. We'll still be here tomorrow, uh, but starting next week, next Monday, uh, 96.5 FM, The Answer, will become 101.1 FM, The Answer. Uh, the station, the signal for 101.1 FM, The Answer, is a much better signal than 96.5 FM, and uh, Salem bought that station. So they're going to put us on it here at uh, uh, The Answer. So you're going to hear Mike Gallagher and, and Prager and, and me and uh, Larry Elder and everybody else, you know, better than you've ever heard them. All of Maumella hear us. All of Western Little Rock hear us. All the way out to, uh, you know, Conway and beyond, to, to Moralton. You'll be able to listen to 101.1 FM, The Answer. Look forward to a lot of new listeners and uh, for everybody who tuned in to facebooklive.com slash Dave Ellswick show. Thank you over a thousand viewers today for the Jan Morgan interview. I'll see you tomorrow. Have a great evening. This is Dave signing off tomorrow too. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.